This is uh, the fifth installment of the Kelonia cast, a for, well, the foremost uh, source of turtle knowledge on the internet. Uh, today's uh, episode is brought to you by Ken Wang from Georgia, uh, Michael Skipstead from California, Jack Thompson from Delaware, and myself up from uh, Ohio. Today's guest is Viviana Ricardez, uh, Vice President of the well, of Texas Turtles. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's uh, that's that. Who wants to go with the first question? Yeah, well, uh, good job. We we got uh, we switched up there, but I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we're super excited to have you on, uh, Viviana. This has been we it, when we compiled we compiled a guest list. Um, early on kind of who we wanted to, to reach out to and, and you and Carl were like top of the list, obviously, because you guys are just filled with stories and knowledge. And, you know, uh, working with Texas turtles specifically, it's pretty interesting because I think there's not a lot of sort of groups like Texas turtles that focus on a specific, pretty diverse assemblage of turtles. And, and you guys have really kind of delved into a specific aspect of turtles that's, that's really interesting. And I think it really brings to light the amount of information you can get from even kind of a small area and, and still big, obviously, we're talking about Texas, but there's just so much that can be taken away. And you guys have done some really interesting work. But I guess sort of the first question that we always have is just why turtles for you specifically? It's cliche and, and everyone asks that, but uh, I mean, we're always interested. Why? What got you into turtles? Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question, right, Michael? We've been asked that how many times at this point? And I'm a lot older than y'all make me feel really old today. <laughs> but I've been asked that obviously since I was, you know, five, six, seven years old with anything, especially herpetology people are just absolutely not sure like why are you picking up that snake or why are you jumping in and catching that turtle that kind of stuff so yeah i wish i had a better answer <laughs> other than it it's it's this biophilia that so many of us have and it starts off when you're little um sometimes you know people get into it older but i've i've just always <laughs> been crazy about animals turtles it happened just that one day finding a turtle crossing the road and I think it was a male red or slider and that just you know was it I was so fascinated with it not in just like a cutesy way which is really common when you're little and little kids you know like things that are cute but just like why is it here why does it have a shell where is it going why is it crossing this road you know why does it have long fingernails of course because the one I found had you know it had a long finger and so it was a male stuff like that that I think you know try to figure out really young and it was just always overall herpetology. And since like I said, there was no social media, there was no internet. I had a bunch of books, um, went to bookstores with my dad all the time and I had field guides, that's it. So I didn't get to dive into anything like I'm doing now in my adult life, but I was, I was just obsessed. I didn't think, and I didn't know that any of this was possible as a little kid. You know, I had Steve Irwin, which we were obsessed with and that everyone knows is like, oh yeah, that, that really got us into it. But I didn't, I didn't know any of that was, was possible outside of a, of a book kind of in a way, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's, it's been strange. I wish I knew like this, but like I said, it was that first 
turtle that you find wondering why is it doing this? Why does it look like this? Just that natural history stuff that I didn't know at five, six, seven years old was called natural history until here much later in life and stuff. So, and then from there it was box turtles. Um, we had had a couple sliders that we found. Definitely the baby redder sliders that we found. And redder sliders are here native of Texas. So I've always grown up loving them and not having any kind of like, you know, angst with them. I've always been like, oh yeah, like we're cool because I've seen them. They were literally the gateway turtle for me and for a lot of other people actually, even across the globe. Um, then I had like the ornate box turtle. My dad bought me an ornate box turtle because I really wanted a tortoise. Um, and back here in the 90s in North Texas, they were like 20 bucks for a female ornate. And they sold them at the pet store down the road for me. And so I got that. And then I wanted a male, <laughs> bought a male, you know, ornate box turtle, found turtles crossing the road. So I had a nice little group of six ornate and three-toed box turtles as a, as a kid. So that's it. And then I went to a few, my dad went, took me to a few reptile expos. That was the extent of what I knew herps herpetology kind of was i knew it wasn't herpetology and it wasn't even back then it was neat to go to a reptile expo but not the same as if i wanted to go play in the woods and you know flip rocks and stuff like that so even really little like we would go visit family in mexico and i was flipping rocks all the way up and down the mountain, <laughs> the mountain getting trying not to get muddy and have my parents get mad at me because i was trying to you know walk along the creek stream without getting dirty <laughs> so that's that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell for a lot of us on on getting into reptiles and turtles, especially. That's that's pretty interesting. I didn't realize about the Mexico aspect that did you ever you must have found some cool stuff down there. That's I never. So my grandmother lives in the city. The only reptile story that I have from when I was a kid and, you know, going to visit family in Mexico I've got some family that lives in the country mountainsides and my mom actually found a Mexican mud turtle integrum um, when she was there a few years ago, but I didn't find anything in the mountaintops in the, in the outskirts of the town. I was playing with some friends across the street from my grandmother's house and two boys like brought over these snakes trying to scare us. Cause they think, okay, I'm going to go scare the girls that are playing outside. And when one of the, the guys, I guess, tried to toss it on it. I, you know, grab it. And it was a ribbon snake. It was a Mexican, not a ribbon snake, a Mexican garter snake. And they were shocked that one, I wasn't afraid of it. And two, that I knew what it was because, you know, here's this American girl, you know, down there for the summer. And they were just like, what is going on? But that, that also, Thamnophis is like a gateway reptile for a lot of people too. Uh, ribbon snakes, garter snakes, um, that kind of stuff. So I noticed the first, see, I noticed it was like, had a bulge in its stomach. So as a little kid, I start like pushing on this bulge in its stomach and out popped a baby garter snake. So it was like a female and they had, they had killed it. Cause by this point they were like slinging around and tossing it around and had killed this female garter snake. And that was when I first learned that there was like ovovivipary or I didn't know what it was called that some snakes gave live birth. So that was just literally an experience as a kid finding that out. So I came back to Texas wanting a a pet ribbon snake, a pet garter snake and stuff like that. So that was a, my, that was my first for like snakes and stuff like that. That's really interesting. <laughs> that's, that's quite an experience. Yeah. I've, I've, I've always wanted to, I think I speak for most of us on here, go and visit 
kind of the, you know Central America and Mexico um, in terms of just the colonial diversity there, but everything else. And it's just tough right now, kind of the political era of things to do that, I guess. But uh, I feel like there's so much un, kind of undiscovered there. It's really unfortunate that the people there have to go through what kind of what's going on. And, and I mean, I don't know the extent of the issue necessarily because I haven't really experienced that, but it's got to be real tough. And the fact that, um, you know, even biologists there, local biologists probably are pretty hindered in what they can do. It's, it's uh, pretty challenging. But I guess, yeah, shifting focus back to Texas, um, tell us a little bit about your work with Texas turtles. I mean, it's such an interesting uh, it's such an interesting group and, and work that you guys do uh, overall, sort of, I guess, give us the rundown. We're, we're curious. Oh, let's see where to start. <laughs> so Carl Franklin, who we all have on later, and I'll say make a note if you want to talk about Latin American herps and Carl's traveled Oaxaca, Venezuela. He did a lot of herpetology in Honduras. So Carl's really the one that's done a ton of Latin American, Mex you know, herpetology in there. So save that for his thing. And he can tell you all kinds of really, really cool stuff on, on how to do stuff. If you ever want to travel to these countries or places to, to see herps. Um, I teamed up with Carl. I met Carl 2016 and I had known who he was for a while. Of course, have his book, uh, followed the back then Facebook was a thing. It's before the times of Instagram. So I followed his stuff for years and then met, and we just so happened to live in the same part of Texas, like here in North Texas, DFW area. And it just became this conversing back and forth about turtles, why this, why that? And then I started helping him out at the museum, uh, working, you know, just anything from tying tags to sorting jars, that kind of stuff. And I was, I was hooked. I mean, the very first time he'll tell you that I was like in tears getting to see a herpetologist, museum collection like the one that he worked it's it's a really really it was really incredible so then things just started like happening and I helped start kind of publishing and he kind of taught me about hey here's a book here's a snake hook like here's some binoculars go do this go find this buy this book and it's it's kind of been history we got our official nonprofit status in 2019 because we had talked back and forth of all this stuff that we were curious about all this low-hanging fruit um, of the natural history and ecology of species here in Texas that no one has either done much work in or ventured down or really gotten deep in the weeds in. And it's kind of just been that. Um, obviously, as you know, long-term population studies are a big deal. A lot of work going on with macrochelys, with alligator snapping turtles, um, a lot of graptomy stuff that we really like, um, stuff even with, with Encina or the pseudomy stuff. We just got all kinds of like things in our head that we think about constantly of like why this or that or stuff, stuff like that. So it's really been to Carl came up with this quote to fill a Texas size hole because there's just a lot we still don't know. And he told me that, you know, he always thought he had to travel some far off countries like Latin America when he was younger. And there was so much in his own backyard. And there was there is so much in my own backyard you know, growing up here in North Texas that we didn't know about or that we didn't really have a grasp on until, you know, we start really going, going down the line of all these species that we have. And we're really lucky. We got 35, 36 uh, species of turtles. So we can go anywhere in the state and see six, seven species in a day, just from like, you know, bridge crossings and stuff like that. So 
I mean, it's where I'm just really lucky. It's been really, really incredible the work and like I said, the publications we put out, got lots of publications that we put out last year, uh, five big ones coming this year. Um, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. So yeah, a lot of it is just really ecology, natural history based and focused, obviously the conservation aspect of it that, that we all have to worry about as we know with, with this group of organisms. So yeah, that's <laughs> kind of a quick rundown. If that answered your question. I, I didn't know that you and Carl met like in 2016. I, I didn't know it was that like a uh, recent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had known who he was for a long time and I just, I just didn't, cause I was fascinated that I'm like, wait, there's somebody else like me. I mean, as, as I got older and being totally by myself, as far as loves for turtles and reptiles, I, I was like, Whoa, there's actually somebody that does this, you know? And I, I was, it was it was very it was very crazy and I never expected to actually meet him, let alone teamed up and be running a nonprofit organization of just turtle stuff <laughs> all day long and stuff. It's been, it's been very cool. But yeah, which I don't know if that me meeting Carl and then me meeting Michael happened shortly in the same time frame. I don't know if Skibstead wants to go into how I got to know as we call Little Skibstead when he was real little. <laughs> little uh oh, I'm getting put on the spot. Um, I yeah, I mean, I guess we we've got some photos. I can pull these up. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the story of how like I remember it. I don't know if Michael can tell his version of uh, of when how you remember it. If I'm gonna be terribly honest, a lot of that is. I think it might be kind of sad, but if that was like five or six years ago, I, a lot of that is very fuzzy in my memory already. <laughs> well, I'll um, remember how I remember it. If you throw up the pictures, I'll tell I'll tell your your buddies here um, how it all to me how I remember it. Okay, so you'll probably you'll probably remember once I start talking. Okay, uh, so we will. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up some of these pictures that. So I just have to say that I, um, when I was reaching out to Viviana about coming on, she mentioned she had some pictures and I thought, oh, it's going to be pictures of Texas turtles. And, and, and then right before I got them, you said there were going to be old pictures. And I thought, oh, immediately, this is going to be like Carl, like way back when, <laughs> and, and then I pull it up and I see, and, and you guys will see, I, I was, uh, but this is good. This is good. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna make a new tab here so I can the share little it. little Skibstead photos. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I think this is interesting. I mean, the story behind this is definitely, uh, and and honestly, I think we should get people should know about this project in particular. You know, um, let me see. I've got Windows on. Okay, so here we go. Actually, wait a sec. Uh, I mean, the the photos are coming up in the back of my email here. I don't necessarily want people to be going through my message <laughs> um well you know that okay well it's all it's all good is there anything on here that is case same, same thing let's see uh i might be able to get them on on this yeah forget about it we're all good um oh my gosh i'm all over the place here trying to get these things up okay uh sharing my screen gonna get this window all right so we've got a little series of photos here before we start talking about texas well we're talking about texas turtles this is probably good maybe a good transition but 
I'm not sure if you guys can see, but here's the first. <laughs> it, yeah, give us the rundown. I, I remember on, this. I'm, but... I'm not seeing it. Oh, yeah, can't see oh it. yeah, right, right, right. Sorry. I've got uh, whoever gave me host controls. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> There's little Skipstead. There he is. That's, he's such a baby. You're doing your first pit tag. I do remember this, and I remember that I was quite nervous the first time because I was like, and I've got a good turtle with a needle. Yeah. And it's interesting to, I mean, I think I've gotten decent at it. It doesn't really take much. You kind of learn how to do it. Uh, but it was definitely, I mean, it, it's, it's just a testament to this group in particular. Like if you have, I guess, the passion for it, then they're willing to foster that. And this wasn't just, I was being heavily supervised here. And I guess the, the ethics behind this is that we're using these, they're passive integrated transponders. So they're essentially like microchips. And uh, this is for, I guess, Viviana, if you want to explain Comal, uh, kind of what, what we're doing here. Well, so this is another organization's uh, long-term study, which is how kind of a bunch of us met and teamed up and stuff. And I remember it was February, 2017. And here comes this little kid, like this whole group, and I was like, we're all like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, the youngest kid out here and with with this shirt and just like ready to go. And in fact, this is the most I've ever heard Michael talk because whenever we would go to these events at these turtle samplings, like Michael was really little. So he did, I don't remember him really talking a whole lot back in back in these days. Um, but yeah, you you were just, there's another picture of you looking at the tubs of turtles. And basically the volunteers at this would, would go out and collect this one's for Jack. I like, I like this. Yeah, I like this picture. So I got this one for you, and I have follow up pictures oh, yeah. for this as well. Um, there's another one of you looking at the turtles, and I remember snapping that picture of just like, oh, there's your dad with a Texana, oh, showing the red, uh huh, legs with Texana. That's how it looks like if a Texana bites you. We can get into that a little bit later. Yeah, that, that it's Fun. not comfortable. I'll say that for sure. You could, this is it, and this is like really how I found when I walked up. How I found Michael looking at at all these odoratus and all these buckets and bins as they were getting ready to be, you know, processed and measured and marked and all that stuff and released. And then I remember, I remember talking to your mom. I think more than anyone back then, of course, and and she said, "Oh gosh, it's so funny." And it was such a trip. Because I had just started, you know, really working with Carl at, at this stage. In fact, those hoop nets back there, <laughs> um, I think Carl had taken, um, they were in the van. I don't know if you remember the van. Um, I remember the van. The van yeah. And uh, so his, your mom said something like, oh, God. And this is the other part that I had a question that I was going to ask you. She said that there's this, there's a, a herpetologist or somebody that's going to be here and michael brought his book to get signed oh, right do you remember this sort of i, I do actually I've yeah go it, grab it and then and i'm like and she's like yeah there's this guy and it's i don't know if she said carl franklin or if i said carl frank and i'm like oh my god i'm like he's laying in on the couch like carl was taking a nap on that couch in the house and i'm like <laughs> i'll go get him i was just bored and i'm like how the heck is this little kid like a baby to me from California brings his book all this way for Carl to sign it. And I have a picture of Carl autographing his book. This was Carl's first book that he did. 
There you go. It says, what is it, February 2017? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 25. 25 February 17. <laughs> and he signed it in Spanish. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Saludos y el gusto es más. <laughs> Saludos and the, the gusto es, yeah. I don't know if he said the pleasure is mine, basically. Something like that. I think so, yeah. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. Because he was like, I, I literally went and I'm like, dude, there's this kid from California here wants you to sign his book. Like, I don't know what's going on. I was totally shocked. I, I guess it is kind of trippy. I didn't even realize that. I guess it's sort of strange for for someone from, from my area to get into it. but. <laughs> I think I have a picture if you keep looking. No, here's uh, another picture. This one of those, like, his... diseased snappers or whatever. Yeah, he's got an ice cream bar in his hand. And that's what cracked me up about, about that picture. Yeah. Like, you... <laughs> ice cream bar on the cement. Look at him. <laughs> Taking oh pictures of his. And it was a Turtle Room shirt from back then. Yep, yep. I still got that. But uh, this was like the haircut there was pre, uh, post-buzz cut for uh, – Freshman football, that was fun. Uh, yeah, but this these snappers at this study site um, that you can learn more about, I guess, on uh, the North American Freshwater Turtle Research Group, their website, they have this weird, they get these skin cutaneous kind of lesions. There's only so many at this site, which is kind of strange, but uh, we were looking into that. That's why it's, I was, it's uh, very, the, it's a very weird thing. For those snappers. Seen okay, there's ones. another, never babies. seen a. Never heard of anyone finding a younger snapper there. It's there it is, exactly. Old. Look at that. There's Carl signing yeah. Michael's book. Look at him. <laughs> He's such a little. And you had like your wetsuit was like the short wetsuit. I don't know if you were freezing, but we were like, his kid has to be freezing because <laughs> you only had like a short, short, short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty small at that time, so I think I, I uh, thermoregulated efficiently, I guess, but. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's an there iconic photo. With an ice cream sandwich in your hand. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a Renaissance painting. There you go. Someone could paint that. Look at the shape, though, of the snapping turtle. It's so strange. They don't even really, like, it's kind of pear-shaped. I just kind of realized that. It's not even... Snappers <clears throat> are weird. Their, their shells get, get so warped. I've seen them, like, weirder than that. That's Yeah. These like, guys are particularly just messed up, but yeah. I don't. I don't. Look at the turtle's know. head; he's not looking good. No, these things were pretty gnarly. Oh, it's it's crazy, uh, and yeah, the lesions on the head get massive, and we have. I think we have an unofficial record for number of leeches because what you I was pulled, about to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, I, I have a lot of leeches. They're still packed away in here in ethanol. And I have yet to get around to counting them. <laughs> There's, they're all here. They're all numbered, but it's easily over four hundred something, which is it's, off it's, of a single turtle. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And there's like a photo that Carl has of just like we're able just on the table, just this pile of leeches, which is something I'm gonna keep looking into and stuff. And it's just it's fascinating to me. I don't know why the leech thing became so fascinating that I just got so interested in it and whatnot. But anyways. We'll continue on with a few more pictures because, I, like I said, I put some pictures in here for – oh, there's that I've one. Seen this one. This is iconic. This iconic, iconic photo. But, yeah, uh, that, that's all that I have from there. 
So I think I put in. I might have been in it, but yeah, I put in those those megacephalic uh, odoratus for Jack. We can we can go back to that and talk. I can't about get enough of those. Yeah, that's a very interesting topic to me. Did you yeah, get let's... the CT scans, Michael? Oh no, I didn't. Okay, let me send you those real quick. I yeah, I need to check that out. I but... I thought I sent them, but y'all keep talking and I'll pull up this. Yeah, uh, I guess I, we can just. Uh, I mean, we're we're good to stay where that is. I think. <laughs> Do what? That location. That's pretty public. Oh yeah, I don't know. Well, well, okay. That you can learn if you're interested. You can learn more about this particular study uh, on the tur on the uh, North American Freshwater Turtle Research Group. They've got great citizen science programs. But this particular location, um, the, the turtles there are really unique. There are four species. It's in Texas, kind of I guess central south central Texas. Um, central Texas. Central. Okay, um, and. There's just, there are four turtles in there that are native, but they're all really kind of interesting. The musk turtles in there get huge heads, which I know Jack wants to talk about. And we'll pull, we'll pull up some cool photos. I, I, I know Viviana's thinking about sending here, but um, beyond that, the snapping turtles at this site, um, they get these really kind of expressed cutaneous lesions. We don't know why. They're also really lethargic. Uh, snapping turtles, typically you don't want to really put your hand out in front of it because they can do some damage but these ones you can you can leave a hand hovering right in front of their face and they won't do anything uh we don't know why that is um the leeches they form these bundles around the heads and it's ridiculous how many they they get on there but uh typically freshwater leeches this might be surprising to some people but they're not really they don't not very in terms of like carrying pathogens and transmitting pathogens they're not really uh, much of an issue. There's only a few cases where uh, terrestrial leeches in Asia have been documented to potentially have transmitted pathogens. And in that case, who really knows? But so freshwater leeches are not really something that's, I guess, a vector for many diseases. Saltwater leeches is a whole different deal. That's the whole sea turtle fiber papilloma and, mm -hmm. and that with the ozo branches. But freshwater leeches don't cause many issues. So we don't know. It, it's more likely these snappers are getting sick from something else. And then the leeches are colonizing on them. I, I, that was at least kind of the last consensus. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like easy pickings, you know, yeah. for those guys. But okay, so I should I'll check my thing here for yeah, it's sent. photos. You should be getting it shortly. I have them. Yep. Okay. Because uh, I think Jack asked me about these a while and I was like in the field or like somewhere else and I couldn't dig for them. And I, in fact, I asked Carl this morning before I jumped on, I said, Hey, do you have those handy? Cause I couldn't dig. I couldn't find them digging for them at least quickly. Yeah. I think you, where you, they mean were. The, you mean the CT scan of the turtle's head? Is that, yeah. yeah. Cause I, that was really cool to see that. I, I've sent you those. I did end up sending those to you. Yeah. I think I? That was a while ago though. I remember that. Yeah, I think these CT scans are just super dang cool. And we have them for baby AST, CT scans. Um, again, stuff that just like really, I really like and I really get into. Who, who, I'll pull them up right now, but who did these? Like, what was that? I, I've noticed Carl. Carl, see, you guys seem to have a lot of, oh, Carl, okay. Back when he was at yeah, back when he was at UTA, and there was a they had they could do some small amounts, and so he just tried to do a a just like 
one of everything and adult female male juvenile juveniles are obviously where the easiest that we have you know we have baby asts like that baby box turtles like that yeah is that not freaking cool that's insane that is so <laughs> freaking cool. like i always wonder why is it so ridiculously extreme at that site like there's plenty of other places where they have access to snails and, and uh they don't ever i've never seen any other population of common musk turtles with heads or anything think, like that i think it definitely spills over in other parts of new Braunfels, where um where all this is at i think there's definitely going to be some spillover but i haven't gone back we haven't been down there in a, obviously a long time we've been in east texas a lot lately so we've just haven't you know gotten to do too yeah. much more in central texas until i mean we do have some stuff that's happening down there but it's still a ways away as y'all know this is like Texas is huge, so this is an easy, I don't know, five something hours away from from me. I mean, we're on we're on the road tons. Uh, yeah, I always, I always forget how large Texas is. Delaware's like you can drive up all the like the longest like part of Delaware is only like a two hour drive. And, yeah, uh, it's like forty minutes the width of the state at most. So God, that's crazy. You can go. We can go two hours outside the radius of DFW and still be like in North Texas almost. Like still be <laughs> like. We have to go past two hours to find different species, I guess, if that makes sense. I, oh, yeah. But with the, with the musk turtles in general, I've noticed they seem to get the most exaggerated megacephaly when they're feeding on small snails, like uh, the like alemia kind of snails, which those that's what that's what like uh, is really abundant in the, the springs in Florida and a lot of uh, colder like streams and like above the fall line where the striped neck musk turtles inhabit. And they all yeah. have, they all have like megacephaly like this, but this is like that's one of the only places I've seen common musk turtles that get the, crazy like that. There is a publication on this, and she's on Instagram. I can send you like she's the one that did all the the work on this. Uh, Maddie Morrison, I think it's. I'll have to look up her Instagram, but she's the one. If you ever want to talk to like what she did and how she did it stuff, and I remember that it's it's very cool. But she was the one that did all the stuff of looking through the their droppings to see which um, invertebrates they were eating and all that stuff. So it's I really, think I read that a while back. Yeah, you probably say you probably read it. It's she's it's been it's been out for a while. They they're feeding on uh like the native snails made up like a, a decent percentage of it, but then uh a lot of the invasives were like the majority of what they were feeding. Yeah, on. those ram's horns are like massive snails. I got pictures of that from snorkeling underwater. It's, I mean, it's it's really cool, but. Anyways, so that's those are those are there for Jack. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has has a favorite species of turtle or just anything that they get y'all excited about. Those the Comal uh, our website name dropped. Well, I, 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 we'll we'll parse that out. Whatever. Um, the the uh, the musk turtles at that site are are really interesting. I mean that that is. It's just really strange. The other thing about it too is how many there are. Like the population of, of the estimate there is about fourteen thousand in a pretty small section of of river, and it certainly doesn't. It seems like there are a lot of them when you go out and catch them, but it doesn't necessarily seem like fourteen thousand. But every time we go out for like three days, and you'll get 200, 250 plus, you'll find that many, and then most of them are new turtles. So. When you do population analyses, you're doing a marker capture system, and then you can take that and analyze it. You create this capture history, and then you can subject that to 
different statistical analyses and get an estimate and that it's come out there at about 14,000. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous in terms of that, the size for a, such a small area. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really neat site. I mean, it's definitely, it's kind of like how a lot of us came together and stuff, which is cool. But anyway, that's how, that's how I know little Skipstead when he was much, you know, smaller <laughs> five years ago, just getting into this as far as like, you know, kind of your path into like the turtle world of craziness and everything that it is and doing all the stuff you've accomplished in the last, you know, five, six years. Right. I mean, like I said, that's how I remember when I saw you, when I saw you, you know, <laughs> when you first came out to Texas. Yeah, that, no, that was an awesome time. It was great too, in terms of connections. And hopefully when COVID's all over, we can get all these guys out and we can all kind of meet up there, get some new, some kind of new hands on deck and, and stuff. Will uh, it over in? What was that? Uh, I was just saying, will COVID ever end? I know. <laughs> we, we've picked yeah, up. We picked up quite a uh, done, like you said, doing our Texas turtles actual surveys through us. Uh, Snapper Palooza. I don't know if you've seen those pictures. That yeah. turned out to be so stinking awesome. It was definitely uh, just like we didn't expect to catch that many ASTs in a in a weekend. I'm sure we would cut caught more, you know, like the more traps we deployed. But it was that's been a really cool thing, and we're gonna do that every May and September from here on out, pretty much. So that's going to be open. I'm, I mean, I fell up already on on the snapper clothes and stuff because I'm getting emails constantly on, you know, wanting to come out and help. And it's just going to be a, you know, one person at a time. I hate having to be like we're capping it because you know there's just literally too many people. Um, but let me know in the next couple years if y'all want to come to Snapper Palooza, that kind of stuff. It's 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 turned out to be really really incredible and just an amazing group of volunteers and people that have. That have teamed up and we're doing this stuff it's it's been a really really dang cool i i never imagined it so what's some of the stuff you guys are looking at when you do because that's a research citizen science project but what are what are you guys kind of analyzing so of course it's just your our basic population stuff um we're going to be doing blood work we're doing some help you know with assistance from another university uh amazing biologist at a university of Houston Clear Lake. She's just incredible um, doing some blood work with some help from other private organizations. Um, just a bunch of stuff like that, kind of anything and everything as far as what's going on in this said population of ASTs. Like we didn't know we were going to turn up so many in a day weekend kind of situation, but it's been really incredible. So we've got that site. We've got an, another site where we did the coyote stuff with with Brave Wilderness. We've got our AST site up here in North Texas. Um, and we've got another one coming, another AST site that we're kicking off a smaller, a much smaller group because it's a private landowner. And it was just going to be kind of like a few of his close friends and us doing some, some stuff there. And yeah, that's, that's been, that's been the kind of the start of, of our major AST work and, and whatnot. And I'm just curious, um, since we're talking about ASTs right now, I think, uh, I don't remember the exact uh, weight of that turtle, but re recently there was this record-breaking AST that was several hundred pounds in. None of us ever believed that an AST could possibly be that heavy. Was that, um, did that come from your team or 
Uh, that came from a, some young men, some awesome, incredible young men out at Stephen F. Austin University. And it was just as exciting for me to watch it unfold on, on social media because I do talk to one of the other young men kind of semi-frequently. Um, John, is that um, who you talk to? Yes. he's. Yeah, because I, I, I was talking to him for like months and, uh, before that. And uh, he sent me the application to like be a part of that, but I couldn't do it. I was, I mean, I mean, I was 17. I'm in high school and uh, Dude, I, I, really wish, I just wish I found a way because they kept saying, Oh, we're going to, we're going to find, he said, he was really hopeful. We're going to find the biggest alligator snapping turtle on record. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about that because the biggest one I'd ever seen was a shell and skull at Pritchard's from the Swanee river. The Swanee, that, that's uh, the one, yeah. Yeah, that one was that just blew everything else out of the water, and I've never actually seen a wild one that was deter that was like proven to have weighed more than like 150 pounds or so. And uh, then next thing you know, I, I don't talk to him for like a month, and I just see I just see those pictures come up, and I lose I lost my mind. I was like, "Are you serious?" Like that was Jack, insane. Jack sent me. I remember you sent me this. I think it was last year, and and he, he sent me. He's like, "Dude." I just got this opportunity. We, we could go down for three months to go and, and work with snapping turtles and, and you like live out of a tent or you're And I was like, Oh, that's cool. When, when does it start? And when does it run? Tomorrow. Like, oh, it's yeah, it's we got to go to school, but, <laughs> but I wish I found cool. a way to do that. Cause that's that I, I still, they, I don't think there's been a publication because I still can't find any actual uh, he's, measurements. He's, he's writing up the young, the uh, y'all are all young men to me. The young, he's writing it up and he just finished his stuff because we do have a, he is co-author on some, uh, one of these next publications coming out with Southeastern Naturalist that uh, he's, uh, David is oh, co-author yeah. on with us. So some of us, he, I think that's where he's writing up because he's doing this, the other young man that's uh, was leading it that John was working with. He's finished finished all that stuff up, but that was exciting to watch, especially being here in Texas and knowing that there's these big ones out there. And I'm just I'm glad that they can hopefully continue to stay like that. And it's, you know, poaching is the huge problem here. I think y'all have heard all the garbage oh, yeah. that we have to deal with with poaching coming to Texas and and taking them out to Louisiana and stuff like that. So it was it was exciting to watch. I mean, I was really really excited because I you know Carl and I follow. Carl's seen some big captivity. Um, you'll have to ask him which which aquarium or which person up in the north in the north northeast maybe that um, that he saw like a two hundred pound one, and we've caught one hundred twenty five four hundred twenty five. We've caught two that size, and at our site in Tarrant County here in North Texas, our biggest male is like one hundred and eight. So, but still they're huge, but not um, two hundred eleven whatever it was that that those young men caught it's i was super exciting i'm glad I i'm think glad it's crazy that that ha that it was a wild turtle like the captive um, ones get so yeah. dense and obese and like they can yes. weigh 250 pounds but they're not actually that large like the carapace length's not that big they're just fat but that turtle yeah. was clearly just massive like yeah. the carapace length might have been more than the one at pritchard's which was 30 or 31 inches and uh that thing was just it was i've never i never thought that it really that something like that actually existed i thought that oh the 200 pound all those uh anecdotal like evidence that's all just from captive animals i never really i kind of seriously doubted i'd ever see one at least today that size but i'm so yeah. glad i was wrong <laughs> oh yeah i'm i it's 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 amazing the stuff that's that's come out of just like i said low-hanging fruit you know stuff that's out there that's just waiting to be done you know just going out there and doing it and you know it's 
it's really cool. It's super exciting, y'all. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really happy for those the, that group. They're they're that's, super awesome. super guys. And it's it's interesting to note the drainages that these turtles came from. I think Jack, you said you saw a 150 pound one from Pritchard's collection. That was a Suwannee yeah. Suwanee one, right? That yeah, one yeah. was. So, uh, oh, sorry. Go on. I didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, the Suwannee turtles from the Suwannee drainage they tend to grow very fast compared to alligator snappers from the other drainages. So, you know, this record-breaking alligator snapper from Texas, I imagine not only is it very heavy, it must be very, very old as well to have grown to, you know, to that size. I agree with that. I've seen uh, well, if you look at the pictures, you can tell it's a super old turtle. Like, uh, its yeah. carapace is almost completely smooth, and uh, it doesn't really have any growth annuli left. And just to be that size, it would have to be old. But that one from Pritchard's, uh, there wasn't a weight on it, but just based on its carapace length and its and its skull width, it, it, ha, it could have easily been more than like 150 pounds or closer to 200. It's far larger. Like uh, all the rest that they've, that like the FWC is actually caught in the Swanee, they don't even come close to that in like the carapace length. And they'll weigh like 130 pounds, but they'll be like 27, 28 inches. That's still like three or four inches short of that one from uh, – the skull and shell that Pritchard has, which I, the, that turtle was once alive at uh, this place called the Everglades Wonder Garden. Like they caught it in like 1970 up in the Northern Suwannee River. And then they just kept it for years. And uh, somehow Pritchard ended up with the remains, but I can't find any live photos of it or if they ever actually weighed it when it was alive. So, yeah. I, uh, that turtle's a bit of an enigma too, because in terms of like work that's gone that's been done recently, no one has found a Suwannee alligator snapping turtle even remotely really close to that size. I think that the largest ones they get in the surveys they've done is like 25, 26 inches, and then I think about 125 pounds. But that one, 30, 30, 31 inches is the second lot well that that one they just got in texas is probably larger i would guess over, over the, the the straight length of the shell but uh that turtle's a bit of an enigma too so it's pretty interesting like i, I think that there probably are more big suwannee alligator snappers out there we just aren't looking necessarily maybe in the right spots but it's probably uh, just difficult to capture them too but yeah it seems like yeah what ken's saying they seem to kind of grow faster maybe more of a productive system and less of kind of ancient turtles, I guess. It's, it's interesting. The temperature might have something to do with that, too. Like, uh, it's it's pretty much year-round they can grow there. And, uh, I mean, low, like even the upper Swanee is is extremely – it's like a subtropical habitat. So, And then the lower Swanee, when you get spring input and everything, it's essentially a consistent habitat year-round. So, Yeah, a lot of sort of – I guess a lot of factors contributing to that. Um, yeah, I mean, snap, alligator snapping turtles are just fascinating. It's, it's cool to see how Texas has really played sort of an integral role in, in now we've got the largest record from Texas. We've got uh, a lot of data in terms of populations and, and it wasn't even really well known that they, they really occurred in a large portion of the state until relatively recently. And, uh, a lot of sort of good data has come from that just in a short amount of time. Um, but I guess we can, I, I'm curious, um, in terms of another group of turtles that are kind of well known from Texas and we, you've even got some, a few endemics, the, uh, map turtles, 
um, what has your experience working with those been like and what kind of research are you guys, uh, our Texas turtles kind of doing with that? Sure. Yeah. Map turtles are definitely a favorite of everyone's, right? <laughs> it seems like everyone loves, loves some graptomies. We, I really, really like our endemics. I really get excited over them. And anytime I do a, I feel like I'm going to do a talk, it's going to be like over the endemics, right? Uh, Michael's seen his fair share of Texana, Sumi's Texana, the Texas Cooter. Um, big Sudemis, really pretty turtle. And then our Texas map turtles and our Kegels map turtles is our two endemics. Uh, Versa, I, I, I don't have a favorite, but man, the Texas map turtles and the Texas Kegels are just like nothing else. They are so pretty. They are so neat. They're so intricate in their detail. The coloration is just incredible. They're just, I, I'm just totally, get totally excited over, over them. So done some Versa stuff. Um, Carl has some property out west of here, kind of like where West Texas kind of almost starts in Menard County. And he's seen tons of Versa. And when we stop in out there, there's just Versa all over the place. This past weekend, we traveled down to some counties south of here, and it was just rows and rows and rows of versa basking i think he posted those pictures on our um facebook and i and our instagram at just, texas turtles yeah texas turtles facebook group because it's been around since before facebook is what it is now and before there was instagram and so we put everything also on our instagram now kind of copy it from facebook but there, it was just so many versa and it's so cool and the females are huge and the males are like this big you know, the males stay, stay super small, just crazy dimorphism with them. And then going down to the Kegels map turtles, which is the county south of where the Versa occur, all these range maps are on our website and are pretty updated. You know, we have to constantly update them. And sometimes it just depends on when Carl gets around around to it. But the map, map range maps are pretty updated on our website. Kegels right now, a longtime friend of ours, um, of Carl's, who's known him forever, uh, Professor Jesse Meek out at Tarleton is doing a population assessment on Kegels. And so, of course, we're helping him out. Um, Peter Lindman's helping him out. Uh, hopefully going to do some more of that this summer on catching Kegels. So this past uh, summer, we went out to this one area and Joseph uh, Fiorenza, who's just been incredibly, incredible helping us this past year, he caught the first um, female Kegel map turtle of the trip. And it's just it's so dang cool. They are just so really, really neat, especially Kegels being the map turtle that's kind of got this really small range. It's even here in Texas. Um, seeing them is, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's really a must. If y'all ever come to Texas, we'll take you and we'll go catch some <laughs> Kegels, you know, they're protected in Texas. So we got to have permits and all that stuff, which we're all permitted for and stuff, but it's, it's these two are really really cool and the kegel is the most recently described one like 1976 let's check what they if, if just as far as recently described map turtle and for being one of our endemics but yeah that's that's our our quick um work with them and like i said hopefully more to, to come on on the map turtle stuff but yeah that got kicked off this last year of, of getting out and getting to catch and mark measure way pit tag you know of all this map turtle work that's uh that's cool work uh especially with like kegels map turtles i saw a statistic somewhere that, that the rarest i mean it, when you start looking into population biology you realize that putting rare rarity values on things is 
pretty challenging, but in terms of their range size, they're pretty limited. Although I've heard they're, they can be pretty common in certain areas, but uh, that's, that's good work in terms of learning more about their population structure and kind of population parameters for, for that species. There yeah. was a population study. If y'all look up kill the kill brew study, um, for Kegel's map turtles, one done a couple of years, maybe it was already like 30, 40 years back, but Killebrew study on did a little population assessment back years ago that, that I think they're going to try to like, you know, go back and see if they catch any of those that were notched and whatnot, you know? So that's one for one for the literature to go, to go look back at some point when y'all are bored. That's pretty and, cool. And uh, like the, Musk turtles do these uh, these graptimus these species they also show megacephalic heads in these you know particular regions. Great question, and I'm actually gonna was kind of figuring out if I'm gonna lean into that. Um, they are mesocephalic, so our Mississippi map turtles. So we have a they have a there's a wider range of Mississippi map turtles in Texas. Those females get megacephalic, a little more sorry, a little more megacephalic, and the graptimus and versa get mesocephalic. So the females are still way bigger and have you know larger heads, and and really really neat. The pictures are on our website. So the females are very distinct, and the males have a very much smaller head for eating these you know freshwater sponges and the cadis flies and the you know smaller invertebrates and stuff. As far as their diet preferences for like a male kegels versus the females and liking all the you know um, oh my gosh corbicula. <laughs> And all, and all those, I was like, <laughs> and, and uh, all that stuff. So yeah, they, they do, females are definitely, again, still very dimorphic on head shape and mesocephaly versus megacephaly. They remind me of like the, the pulchra kind of clade, just like with the, right. the, the true megacephalic map turtles, the really large ones, except that they're just way smaller in body size. That's very, and uh, they still be, they still develop the large heads and uh I thought what was interesting in reading uh, Peter Lindemann's book was like in some populations, like I think it was the Kegels map turtle, it might have been the Texas or both of them, they almost entirely feed on corbicula in some areas. Like they can pretty much forsaken the native mollusks and just went right to the corbicula, which uh, I've seen northerns do that and Mississippi maps do that. But uh, what's even what's odd about that is I've never heard of barbers map turtles or some of the true megacephalics, which have the biggest and most powerful heads, they tend to stick right with the smallest, the small, really tough to crush snails seems to be uh, what they're specialized for. But at least the uh, Versa and Kegli are a little more adaptable with what they'll eat. Yeah, they're, I mean, it's it's very interesting because like, thankfully where we're studying Kegel, where we're helping out with Kegel stuff, it's pretty easy-ish to go, you know, and have you have our camera binoculars and, and see them. You know, even on a kind of a, we were there this past summer on a drizzly-ish, cool, drizzly, almost overcast day, and they were still out basking, which is which is really cool. But it's it's an it's kind of an easy, not too hard of a one to go to go look for. But yeah, I, I knew when I was trying to come up with the word corbicula, Jack. I like it's like I heard you say it for me, and it came out of my mouth like he knows. Yes, that he knew what I was about to trying to say. <laughs> and oh yeah. Corbicula is Asian clams for people that may not be aware. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, like, that's something that people have to realize is turtle nerds, biology nerds, 
we typically just assume you kind of understand the crazy stuff that we talk about. But the, so, yeah, one good. Yeah, they get big. This is the biggest one. It's an inch and a half. This is the biggest corbicula shell I've ever found. Oh, there's. It doesn't look. To, I'll just send you pictures from this past weekend. <laughs> they them all over the place. I didn't even think well, about it. Maybe I could pick some up. Yeah. Hold up. Let me. There you see, go. See, the smaller one's normally what I see, but this one, okay. this one's huge. It's I much bigger. I'll have to ask my muscle nerd friends because I see tons of huge corbicula all the time. And this has become, you know, the standard thing. You there's, know, a there's, a, there's a stream by me where uh, the, the, it has a super high density of common musk turtles. And in some areas, the the river, like the, it's just this little creek. Uh, some areas, the creek bed is just entirely corbicula shells. You yeah. can't see anything else. And uh, the musk turtles there are feeding like heavily on them. And they develop pretty big heads. It's nothing like Comal, but right. it's much larger than the average musk turtle. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat watching. I mean, we've gotten, we're able to permanent to hold ASTs for three. We can hold anything we're studying for three days to see what it puts out. And mostly with our ASTs is where we've gotten the better, you know, sample of, of things they've eaten, bird feathers, pecans, you know, um, wild nuts, seeds, all that kind of stuff. And there's quite a few pictures of, of that on our social media of the oh, stuff yeah. ASTs have pooped out. Um, we did have a publication that just came out in this last herp review, speaking of mussels, where we found a zebra mussel. And zebra mussels are invasive to Texas and I think in a lot of other parts of the U.S. Um, we found one, uh, we found a dead AST here in North Texas. Big old hook. Um, there's actually female. The big old female. The Carl, Carl made a YouTube video of him, like, of us kind of cleaning it out, of it being rendered out and the bones and stuff. And we found a zebra mussel in it and published that in, in this past herp review, which is really yeah. neat because it's like, it just, I think it looks, it was just one. So it was just maybe some crazy, like it got it in the, in the midst of getting other bunching around, which is neat. So yeah, there's, as somebody else was telling me, another longtime turtle owner was saying that graptomies have been eating some zebra mussels as well. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if wherever there's invasive zebra mussels here that the graptomies are eating those as well. And Viviana, you said you found bird feathers in, in the AST poop? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, yeah that's I, very, very interesting. Oh, yeah. They so, eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I've read studies about, you know, common snapping turtles. And some of them in the northern populations, they actually eat a lot of waterfowl. And that kind of – it's actually in a, in a way that's significant enough to affect, you know, waterfowl populations in residential ponds and the likes. I wonder if that's true for ASTs. I would doubt it because, you know, they, they don't – yeah, they don't project their neck out like common stabbing turtles. I think that makes it difficult. Somebody had another private landowner from other people said that they had an AST in their pond and the AST was eating all the ducks and the birds that came through, which I'm like, whatever, like AST's got to eat too. <laughs> you know, like I don't care what it's eating. I mean, there's Carl also published on a map turtle found in an AST, like a dead AST. Um, so they'll eat, they'll eat anything. Oh, you know, carinatus, map turtles birds you know we don't know if the bird was alive or the bird was dead in the water and they just scat you know he just scavenged or whatever but I, none of that surprised me they're pretty they eat everything and it's really neat i don't think that it would really do that much of a damage on any like obviously people see you know a snapping turtle eat taking down a duck and they get all in a tizzy <laughs> i mean you know with, with with average people not realizing how things work because we have had calls like that it's like oh these turtles are eating all these birds it's like 
well, <laughs> that's what they're supposed to do, <laughs> you know, and trying to, to inform them that that's normal. It's, it's an okay thing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, they'll eat anything. It's really crazy. But yeah, it's been, it's been crazy, really neat working with seeing what they eat and stuff. So yeah, I'm sure there's more on our social media that Carl's posted of everything that they've that we've documented them eating thus far. And some of that is always is published in like Ernst and Lovich and all that stuff. That stuff's been known for a while. The only different thing that we found was that zebra mussel. Yeah. The common snappers are brutal. I've, I've seen them kill anything up by, uh, uh, the only thing they don't seem to prey a whole lot on is other turtles because they don't seem to have the capacity to fully, to like, not, not as much as like alligator right. snapping turtles, which will just regularly plow through other turtles as if it's nothing while the common snappers i mean they have a harder time crushing even a musk turtle is probably harder for a common snapper to crush than it is for an alligator snapper right but, uh, it's not worth they, oh yeah but I've, i mean i watched one kill a baby duck in front of a bunch of people like at a bridge and everybody was freaking out and yeah. i'm like no it's just this is this is there should no one interfere this isn't anything <laughs> this isn't bad i mean i know it looks it looks horrible but it's uh it's just it's just natural yeah what are the what are the shine you jack i'm like uh, okay yeah so there's a lot behind me uh, <laughs> i'm always looking at what everybody's got behind them uh, so, well this is a well there's a saltwater crocodile right here but oh dang oh how'd you score that that's good florida oh uh, well my grandfather got it in australia like 40 years ago so it's a, yeah i actually have a lot of stuff from him but i'll just go to this i'll be quick with this so we don't yeah. take much time there's, i want to uh, ask everybody so get ready <laughs> Yeah, that one up top, that's a peninsula cooter from uh Okay. Both of these two are, but this one's about 14 inches. It's a huge one. Then this is a what is it, a Florida red belly cooter and Nelson I. Uh -huh. Let me turn this we a bit because there's here. more. We have Nelson I here in Texas now. I mean they've established like they yeah. say there's an established foundation, but we haven't I've just seen pictures. Uh, these are two uh rubber ventress, the red belly cooters. Uh -huh. This is a male, that's a female. This is a big female, too. It's like eleven inches. And then these are common snappers. And this one was uh this one was 14 inches. Damn, that's cool. It's actually that's this one's from Tampa. I can tell that one a mile away, the common snapper. <laughs> yeah, I can tell that they were like pseudemies-ish, but I you know, I can't see the detail yeah. of the so Jack is I have, there... I have, I have hundreds of other turtles, but they're all they're, I mean, if I can angle this right, you can kind of see the yeah, shelf. Okay. There's is tons the of cooter, other stuff there. Is the cooter on the top the one that we got from in Florida? Yeah, it's the big the big one is from Florida. Yeah. It was killed by like a semi or something. But uh we were visiting the Serpentarium in St. Cloud, I think it was, and they had it just yeah. it just it's in the back and I guess it it passed away or something. I don't know, yeah. And this is a, this is a, this common snapper was huge. The skull is about it's a, just about six inches. And uh so this would have come from like a really, really large male, probably like a one of the ones with like a 16 to 18, 18 inch carapace. That's so cool. That's a good one. That's actually a random question is what's like the largest common snapper you've seen in Texas? Or like Ours is just the Comal ones. Those are the, those are the biggest we've like actually have weight and measurements to. Those guys are pretty heavy. I mean, I care. I, like I said, I wrestled a lot of them pulling leeches off of them and just carrying them. Michael knows you've carried your share of, of there's another picture I didn't send of you like sitting in the kitchen with like a common snapping turtle on your lap. As yep, I'm pulling I that. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a normal day for him. Exactly. 
I remember you were getting so close. I was worried because I had this thing braced on my knee. They were you were trying to take blood. A lot of times with turtles, you'll take blood from the the um, the tail. There's a vein that runs right there, and uh, I was kind of worried because you you were I think trying to stick it, and there were a few people that were moving around, and it was getting real close to that one was starting to get a little bit of upset and it was starting to get real close to shooting its neck out and nailing somebody in the shin or the kneecap but uh that that was a, definitely an interesting experience i've told a lot of people yeah that's just a typical sitting in the kitchen with uh a, a large aggressive <laughs> turtle on my on my knee yeah <laughs> i've gotten so much taking blood off of turtles now is so much easier michael i've gotten to where i'm like boom yes <laughs> you know trying to do anything do what no, I was going to say when you're when you're trying to do anything with common snapping turtles, you typically yeah. end up losing more blood than them. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I've got some pretty awesome scars from Kalydra, definitely. But it's easier to take blood off a big AST all day long. I, the I best, believe that. 100%. The best blood draw I got recently was off a Mississippi a male Mississippi map, so not very big, and it took me you know a lot of careful patience. In my kitchen here at home, <laughs> pulling up <laughs> just another day, <laughs> exactly like you said, another day in the kitchen doing something, uh, blood draw or whatever it, it is. My sister comes over and she's like, Is this a turtle cup or is this a human cup? Like, she doesn't touch the plastic. She's always concerned about, like, what did you use this for? So I have like the turtle plastics in the turtle room, you know, where that I use for turtle chores and stuff like that. But, Jason, what do you got behind you? I see a tank. Uh, I just have a couple of betta fish. My turtles are in the basement because, like, I'm up on the second floor, and so you can't really put, like, a couple 150-gallon Rubbermaids up here. You know, probably oh, yeah. wouldn't be good for the house. You said um, there's just betas in there? Yeah, just some betta fish. And the one down here, I've got a bunch of, like, pink ram's horn snails, and actually, like, those are more interesting than the fish because they've uh, – the population or whatever, like the number of them kind of fluctuates, but right now there's like a whole bunch and you get some that are like dime size too. They're just like neat looking pink snails. So oh wow. Not that a is whole cool. lot going on. That's neat. Carl's got a beta fish that he just got recently. And I, I thought they were neat. I had a beta fish for like three years in college. They're they're really, really, really neat. Ken, what you got behind there? I um I I gotta actually have to run down to my garage and grab a massive collider shell that I want to show you. Okay. We'll go oh, to shit. Michael. Yeah, go. yeah, go to Michael for now. <laughs> you showed me this. I'm, I'm jealous because one of like the collider remains might not be particularly hard to get a hold of, but right. uh, like even to find, but it's so rare, so hard to find like the remains of a huge one. Like uh, and he's got the shell of one that was massive. I don't remember what he said. It was something what was like 17 inches, like a really big one. And, uh, the biggest one I've actually caught uh, was in Delaware for me. It was we measured the carapace was like it was exactly 18 inches, and uh, I would I believe that turtle was every bit of 45, 50 pounds, but I didn't have anything to weigh it, and uh, it was massive. Like it was, I'd they never seen anything like there. that before. They get they yeah, you they seem to be more like consistently the biggest up here, but then again, some of the biggest ones I've ever seen are from Florida and Georgia, and uh, but that area oh, what Grover. I mean, Grover told me this is uh, out in like Mississippi and like that western part of the common snappers range. That seems to be where they average the smallest. He said he's never seen one wow. bigger than like 10 inches in Mississippi. But Oh, neat. 
might have to do with the like the extreme dominance of the alligator snapping turtles out there. Like they take over every habitat while they're a little bit more limited in the eastern parts of their range. And then they we've heard that. Go ahead. Michael. No, no, go ahead. I don't remember what I was going to say about just about Calydra and AST. We've caught two in the same trap. ASTs in Calydra. You know, and I remember hearing that too. Like you typically won't find overlap or whatever. And of course, there's a lot less, seems to be a lot less, but that's still in the works. You know, we're still going to have to like see how that plays out as far as, you know, trapping and data and what actually is. But just from the few years of, of catching it, the catching the two in one is, is pretty cool. We've done that up here in, in our North Texas area. I think they're uh, like, it just, I mean, they're the same family, but I think they're, they're more divergent, like in their lifestyle and ecology than people would, would think. Like uh, the, the alligator snapping turtles, it, it's not just like a supersized common snapping turtle. It's if anything, ecologically is more similar to a musk turtle in their feeding behaviors. And uh, the fact like they'll specialize on mollusks and tough shelled organisms while common snappers don't really tend to specialize on anything. And uh, well, yeah. I think we did have some Calydra pooped out a bunch of algae in one of our. Yeah, yeah that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and in fact, I think the picture's on Facebook or something somewhere. But yeah, there's that we've had that happen. It was really neat. Yeah, in some areas, the alligator snapping turtles they feed just as heavily on mollusks. Like if you were to, it's proportionally about the same as like some of the musk turtles feeding on snails. Like a, it's not, it's not, it's way less of a. It's way less common out in the West for like whatever reason. There's probably less of a density of snail of uh, large mollusks and things. But in the eastern drainages, especially like the Apalachicola drainages, they'll feed almost exclusively on huge riverine mollusks, and uh, their heads are really thick and their plates are ex expanded, and they just become these bulldog-looking things. Yeah, but, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty wild seeing them across the. Oh, Carl's texting me. Yeah, in a lot of places, the fish and and waterfowl argument that they're causing issues is, I think it's just silly because they're part of a natural process that keeps kind of both in check. And if if one of those things gets out of balance, then it's more to the humans are typically to blame there for for right. altering that. So and and like Jack says, and and like you said, Vivian, I think that. Common snappers and alligator snappers probably they do have a very diverse diet and they're not just strictly carnivores. So they're gonna exactly. eat a lot of varied things and it just kind of depends also where they are geographically. So people should be less worried, I think, about that and, and see it as more of a, a, a positive because it's helping kind of maintain that natural. Yeah, we get a lot of every spring we get emails or messages like that of like, I got too many turtles. Can someone come remove them? Can someone come relocate them? And we have to like, you know, be like, this is how it is. Like kind of, you know, let them know it's it's okay. Like you're not going to lose your all your fish if you have fish dying and something else. And birds pick off plenty of fish, you know, herons and egrets as far as, you know, eating a lot of their fish or whatnot. But it's, it's I think it's a total myth that people come up with these random you've heard you've heard them all at you know these myths and these excuses of this this and that at this point and a lot of the same gets keeps getting turned around plinking is a big thing or has been a big thing here where people shoot want to shoot everything i think so isn't that insane just like the most american thing like you can imagine like just some rednecks going out in their boat with like some beers and it's like oh let's shoot some turtles off the logs like yeah how do you even fight that yeah, it's it's the thing. Carl actually was doing some trapping somewhere. Was it where was it? That he was? It was Menard. A private landowner says, "Yeah, he shot a big female soft shell and then kind of saw it just sink, and this blood came up, 
And the guy kind of was like afterwards and Carl started working and trapping that that area of this guy. Carl actually found the soft shell like with this damaged hole in her or it healed up, you know, which is crazy. Hey. But the guy actually like was like, oh, dang, like I didn't even realize until he like kind of saw it and Carl caught it. And she was like, well, she's this is her, you know, it's interesting. It's very interesting. But, I'm, you know, hopefully that can keep going away as <laughs> a culture yeah. thing. I don't, you know. People want to shoot anything, stick and, stuff, you know. An interesting perspective. This is going to be controversial, but like a lot of, I, I think a lot of people that don't have respect for turtles and just natural resources are not thinking long term in terms of the things we can learn from them. I was reading a, a paper recently. Uh, this is obviously, it's going to be something that's controversial, and I'm not sure about kind of the, the efficacy of this particular paper, but it just highlights the fact that we have a lot to learn. Um, their researchers were looking at these soft shell peptides that they introduced intercellularly in, uh, in gastric cancer cells. And the peptides actually upregulated and downregulated different sections of uh, microRNAs, which are like these little short regions of, of uh, short regions of, of expressed DNA. They become kind of a, a, like an RNA, but a small RNA that is a functional effect on sort of uh, on cancer suppression and different cancer-related kind of oncogene pathways. And so it's just kind of an interesting thing that potentially these turtles could hold secrets to this. So, you know, it, it's like, it's hard to say that kind of research, I take that with a grain of salt because a lot of that comes from people that are a little bit biased in terms of this. And, and there is kind of this cultural in a lot of places that turtles must help with cancer and that these kind of issues. I don't, I'm not going to necessarily, I'm not going to support mass killing and, and this ideology without any backup, but if there's actually kind of valid research behind some right. of it, and it came from soft shells. So people that are going out there, that's kind of where my logical connection there was, was um, that people just going out and aimlessly killing things are really a detriment to all of us because we, we really could be kind of hindering our understanding in a lot of ways. So I made, I made that joke a few months ago or like the last couple of years because there's a lot of slider hate and I understand like in these different parts of of they're invasive everywhere and thankfully you know I even hear I'm like try not to you know we see a lot of sliders you know and you kind of get blind to seeing and I made a joke I'm like dude they could have the cure for cancer and we don't know it but we're throwing them aside like oh it's just another slider like I don't want to see another slider you know and I mean there's they're obviously incredibly adaptable and have you know done a lot across the world and i think it was actually in one of y'all's other podcasts where you said it could be just like this misnomer that they negatively impact other populations you know and now at this point we're seeing sliders all over the place alongside you know a lot of the other native turtles kind of like you have we have more to like look into it before you say that they're bad or naming something that they're bad without didn't you say that like one of the last podcasts michael or my miss no, that's definitely how I feel. I, uh, for the past like two years, I've been studying uh, Western pond turtles and where they co-occur with red-eared sliders. And the, the few people, most people don't know we have native turtles in California to begin with, but the few people that do kind of have this assumption that, oh, the sliders must be bad. But realistically, when you think about how niches work and how when you're introducing an animal, it's not necessarily going to have negative consequences. We can assume that maybe something that wasn't in that environment to begin with is going to 
affect it in a different way. And I think that's a valid assumption. But to make the assumption that it's just automatically bad, uh, at least my research, and you realize actually doing this, how complex it is to measure if there's a negative effect. Um, at least in my research, we essentially showed that that sliders and pond turtles are very infrequently seen together. They mostly are kind of in different areas. And it seems like based on the patterns we saw that there's more of an impact from habitat alteration than mm -hmm. the non-native turtles. They kind of just fill, they separate. They And I think there's room, there's so much of a generalist, the pond turtles a little bit less than the sliders that they can kind of, I guess, mold their niche a bit to fit and, and kind of work with each other. Now, there's certain loose ends in my work that that obviously, maybe not loose end, but there's more questions to be mm -hmm. asked. And to say 100%, we don't know. We don't know how they're interacting in terms of the, their diets. Uh, and and But it doesn't seem like they transmit diseases to each other. And they're mostly kind of separate from each other. So it's kind of interesting. I think that the assumption it's bad is maybe not the best thing to jump to, that it's going to be there's going to be impacts from a non-native that's introduced. I think that that's valid to assume, but you need to actually go and quantify that. So yeah, that's, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And it's one of those things that's kind of get, keeps getting passed down, passed down, passed down of the notion of this redder slider, redder slider, redder slider, you know, slider hate passed down that keeps, you know, happening. Cause we here in Texas, and I think y'all might even have these Mediterranean geckos. They're kind of like the almost clear, really pink. I know they're probably in Georgia, um, hemodactylus yeah and those are invasive they've been here since the 70s they've been in texas since the 70s they like, came in apparently through florida or who knows you know and they fill a niche that isn't really competing with anything else and i see them all over my backyard and the porch lights in the summer and they just they just exist but there was no doesn't seem to be any negative impact to the native stuff they just they just showed up and now they're here and i've seen them you know my whole life and just an example of an invasive that's not necessarily doesn't appear to be bad that we know of at this point, you know. So, yeah, yeah very there's cool. a right. big distinction between uh, something that's non-native and something that's invasive, and that's something we have to be very careful of when we're taking into account, you know, assigning these um, these terms to animals because whether we call something invasive is going to be, you know, very impactful on you know pet ownership, the pet trade stuff like that. It, even in some very niche circumstances, invasive species can help out a native species. I'm talking about very specific events like Asian gobies. They actually helped recover the uh, Lake Erie water snake populations that was that year almost they're becoming eating. extinct. Yeah, yeah, that Zero water snake yeah, really those gobies. There was a Ray Wilderness episode a few months ago on that. It was excellent. Yeah. Anyway, what's this? Everything has to be yeah, everything has to be, you know, taken account into very uh, specific circumstances. We just have to make sure we're not making broad assumptions. Once something new is here, that's automatically going to be, you know, something devastating to our turtle populations. Right, right on. Let's see this collider shell, and we'll have to yeah, measure it. Yeah, I was just it. about to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I, I could not find it. Hopefully, um, my parents did not throw it away. I do have, let me go, I'm going to do a screen share, though. I have a photo of it. It is very big. That would be a huge loss if you lost that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me see. I'll have to come like down it. there and have a talk with some people. <laughs> <laughs> I do have this skull, though. It's a. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. I, I didn't it know did, it came from a. Yeah, it came from a shell that also had a hole in it. So I imagine it was also shot, unfortunately. Yeah. See, it's, it's very porous. Yeah. Jack, how big do you think this turtle would be? How long is the skull, roughly? 
I don't know. <laughs> so it's about this this big compared to my hand. Would you though. say like five six inches? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. good so if it's if it's between five and six inches, it could be like a. It could be one. That's one of the. That's a really big turtle. So probably like a. Somewhere between like a fourteen and eighteen inch turtle, like more like a probably yeah. more around sixteen seventeen inches, but. Uh, I mean, that's, you could be looking at a 40, 40 plus pound animal. Like, so that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Are you guys seeing the tab now? I think I pulled up the foot of the shell. I think one of the biggest Collider skulls I've seen was this uh, one at Pritchard's. God, I think it was like the, the skull was like seven inches or more. And uh, I think the shell was like 19 inches. Like there were, there's, there was like, there was a couple huge Collider in Pritchard's collection. Well, there was pretty much everything in the world in his collection. So if you could think it, it was pretty much there. Jack, did you see all the old pictures from when Carl was down there? I think I did. Yeah. Okay. Where, yeah. Th that's, uh, I actually was there before I met anybody here that I went there like three, three years ago. And, uh, wow. I met when, when Pritchard was still alive mm -hmm. and, uh, it was really, it was, it was really cool to go in his living room and just, and, and well, to see the stuff that he, like the, some of the, the specimens and things he has are just like, that was one of the most exciting days of my life, just being able to see all that stuff oh. and just meeting everybody there was such an, an awesome environment. And uh, I mean, the the Galapagos tortoise poster, you can't really see it up on my wall. That's uh, that's from him. Like it, it was him who gave me that. And I, I framed that and will cherish that for the rest of my life. But uh, oh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, it was it was actually right after that. I didn't think anybody else my age had done that. Thought, oh, I just thought I was kind of the only one. And I started, uh, I mean, I knew who Michael was, but I didn't know he was my age or anything. And because I just saw his content on Instagram and that uh, we would like talk back and forth occasionally. But then it, like we were talking about like, I don't know, like megacephaly or Duncan Island tortoises and Galapagos, some like relatively obscure topic. And uh, I, I, he, he's like, wait a second, are you the same age as me? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess we are. <laughs> then, we, then we just started meeting up not long after that. And it's pretty much that's what that's how it's been. I wouldn't typically suggest people start meeting up with people they meet online, but this is, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, that gets it. like, you got to uh, play that one by ear, I guess. Uh, uh, so Viviana, I'm curious about, um, your work with box turtles. So I know that that's one of the things that I think you said, like box turtles kind of got you interested in turtles overall and sort of what kind of research and, uh, I know that you guys were out in the field recently with, with some box turtle work, if you could talk about that a little. Yeah, so there's a lovely grad student up at University of North Texas, and she did her master's thesis on some radio telemetry for box turtles. This um, little environmental learning area that they also wanted to kick off like a Head Start program for box turtles and kind of got in this. So four years ago-ish now? Um, Carl and I helped out with like the guidance of like, this is kind of what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And kind of had some meetings with that group over there. And then like I said, a grad student came in and, and did her master's. I think she's wrapping it up. And so we've been tagging along with her. I don't think I can't, you know, speak for her that she was going to continue on in a PhD sense. So if that's the case, then I definitely want to keep it going. You know, I definitely want to keep any radio telemetry that's on turtles right now, you know, with a group of volunteers, to go out and keep radio tracking and understanding, you know, anything there is, cause there's always going to be something to be discovered and, and whatnot. So hopefully 
um, we'll keep that going. That's kind of been it is, is just radio telemetry of box turtles. I've been out there a couple times um, and that's it. I haven't heard a whole lot from, from them lately, but you know, the spring's about to pick up and <laughs> things about to start get rolling again and, and all that. So, so we'll see, hopefully, hopefully that continues, you know, and, and we absolutely want to help out wherever we can on, on that kind of stuff. But yeah, three top box turtles are still like my favorite. <laughs> like one of my favorites just from childhood to now. And as I think y'all know, if y'all have Carl's other book on box turtles, um he's yes. done a lot of he's done a lot of box turtle you know wrote a book on box turtle stuff that i know i think i talked to jack about that like ready to to add more stuff just because more stuff's constantly yeah. constantly finding out i've got all kinds of pictures now we've got all kinds of information on on stuff that we've discovered in the last few years and whatnot so and i, didn't, I never saw your screen share of this giant collidra yeah i get it going let me see if i can get it to work while Jack gets the book out. Yeah. Oh, I, was getting, I was getting these. Oh, cool. Uh, this is a big female Florida <laughs> box turtle. It's mummified. And oh, that's uh, so cool. this is an Eastern box. Yeah. But the, the East, I have most of what I have are Eastern box turtles. And I have a couple live ones too. But uh, I actually have a lot. All my turtles are either, they're either outside brumating or they're in the basement. And, yeah. Uh, but the Eastern box turtles have been like a big part of my life. And there's some of the, they were probably the first turtles i encountered on my own like this because my old house was like in the where this was mm -hmm. like we play in the backyard and there were box turtles that just lived there like if you dug through the leaf litter or looked under the deck mm -hmm. in the right we'd get lucky and find one every once in a while and that was That's probably cool. the first the first turtles i would play with and I, I think i saw mud turtles and snappers not long after that but the box turtles were definitely some of the most uh enamoring ones oh yeah there i loved i had more ornates as a kid which is crazy. <laughs> and then now, you know, now I have only like two ornates and a bunch of wayward three-toed box turtles and captain bred three-toads that, you know, just have babies. And so I've been taking care of those. And I give those over to good homes, whoever wants, you know, <laughs> totally captive, just need a home box, three-toed box turtles. They're super, super. Wonderful. I don't keep much, but I have a few yeah. ornate box. Turtles. Yeah. I remember you had some ornates and maybe a three-toed or two and a few. Yeah. Three-toed as well. Yep. I, they're fun they're they're really it's nice to go and just sit there and kind of watch them interact in their environment every once in a while but they're really interesting i mean they're beautiful animals when you wash them off and the colors and sort of the, the, the yellows and reds and blues yeah the Easterns really are amazing i uh i mean i have i have one that lives completely outside and uh he and he's brumating right now but he's like the personality is, is is amazing. Like he'll just he'll follow me around. Like I, I can pick him up and put him out in the, like in the in the yard, and uh, he'll just follow me around. And anytime like if I move in front of him, he's he's just completely focused on it. And he'll eat he'll eat. There's I haven't he, there's nothing he won't eat. Like I'll feed him uh, fruits and vegetables, anything that moves he'll viciously kill. And uh, <laughs> I've seen him try and kill toads and things and and that get in the enclosure and. Uh, I, I once found I once went in there and found him eating the carcass of a like a mouse or something. I don't I know. Say, have you thrown him a dead squirrel yet? Throw him a roadkill squirrel. I, 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 I actually, this is kind of weird, but uh, I once brought home a, a dead uh, red-bellied cooter that uh, I, that's actually the, the big female shell on the wall. Uh, it was it was a, it was pretty much like a dead turtle when I found it, and it was all stinking and rotten. So I left it out in the backyard and. Uh, just because yeah, I was like, the only thing, like, the skull was gone. I only need to get the shell so I can, I, I don't need to be really good with this. I just need to let it sit outside. And uh, 
some of the like some of the flesh was like mummified and rotten. I'm like, you know what? I'll just throw this in with the box turtles. They'll probably love this. And yeah, uh, he, he was going to town on it. So I love that stuff. Yeah. I I mean, Carl's taken in his book. He's got like roadkill possums. If you found a fresh roadkill squirrel, Joseph, he found one one day and I was like, throw it in there. Watch. And they went to town on, <laughs> on he gets in that picture. Yeah. He posed that picture and I was like, yeah. he had no idea it was going to be like, kind of blow up on on instagram and i was yeah, like Dang. That's, that's cool but yeah they they go to town on that stuff ready can they're, they're amazing turtles they're so the easterns are amazing like i you never see two that look exactly the same either like yeah. ken I mean, do you have this photo sorry no, Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't we keep getting yeah i sent the photo to michael because oh, i got some oh, permission sent, issues on my browser michael has the power. Yeah, screen share okay michael has the authority you said also, I, I feel like it's a bit late to ask this, but does anyone know why Jason left? Yeah. Or do you have to? Yeah, he yeah. Has, he's got class at 12, so. Yeah, I, I got to check with my family real quick, too, but uh, I should be good. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll just be right back. I got to check something. All right. We, we, we will start to kind of – once I get Ken, – Ken, can you send it again? Because I'm not seeing – I'm not seeing it. Yep. Let's see. We'll start to wrap things up here. I think we're really good. And then we'll do our trivia game at the end, and we should be good. Uh, but I want to see this photo now. I'm curious. I've, I'm sure I've seen this, but I'm oh not, yeah, okay. not, not coming to mind. All right. We should be good. All right. A little bit of live action there. Remember that? <laughs> I remember that. I remember God, that. Yeah. Oh, that was wild. Looking back on that, it's like, ooh. I know. The, yeah, the stuff. I wish. I don't know. I mean, I like. A lot. I would rather watch the the videos of you guys with the the, the turtles and Coyote Peterson's videos he did with you were pretty good. Yeah, he. I'm glad he. I'm glad the, the content he puts out now is. Is really good. It's been really exciting watching the There's stuff. There's been some stuff. I, like, I, earlier stuff, which, which yeah. you know, we all. He even said he's like, I don't do like things have changed. You know, yeah. I don't do that old stuff anymore. Which is, which is his cool, snapper like. videos were really good. Like that, like the camera work and everything is really good with that. Like it, uh, it really gets a lot of. I mean, there's millions of people watch that, so that like, that really provides a huge platform for people to get into yeah. animals. I really like the series he just did with a bunch of younger, you know, young folks, younger um, girls and boys, I guess in the 10 year old, 10, 11 range of where he takes them wherever and they go looking for him. Like that was a really good series. So that's been, that's been awesome. I think hopefully he's supposed to come back down. We talked about him coming back down. Uh, I don't know if this year or next year to look for more stuff, but we'll see. He's been pretty busy. I had a, oh, there was some other reason I was, I was trying to get in contact with him. I'll have to, Oh, about that. oh, geez, there it is. That is wow. so Look at, there cool. It is. That That's is an imposing photo. photo. <laughs> so measure like that. Measure that, and Carl will see if it's uh, how big he has compared to other museum collections. Yeah, hopefully, I still have it. <laughs> if Look at your face. Throw it away, I'm going to have to have That's this. A face of pride. That is so dang cool. <laughs> and you just found it. Was it kind yeah. of like yucky at that point? It was pretty gross. Yeah, I had to clean it up real good. Some of the scoots fell off. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, you notice, like, you see the, there's, like, depression going down the center. You know, that's 
quite common with really big male snapping turtles there. Yeah. Once they get really huge, their shells start to deform like that. They yeah, warp in such weird directions. It's, it's, okay, it's I've crazy. I've seen plenty of funny from flared to pear shaped to with that dip. And of course, obviously, I see, you know, we all see lots of captive ones on social media. I'm just like really oh, yeah. poorly cared for. And it's like, oh, but you know, there are all kinds of funky shell stuff going on there. I saw this one wild collider. It looked like it, it looked saddlebacked, like a, like uh, like some of the Galapagos tortoises. So like they, their shells warp in so many crazy directions, and uh, some cool. of them are, they get real narrow. And uh, oh, I I'd have there's old videos and pictures on my Instagram. I, I haven't seen. I saw this turtle once last summer, but at this one like private list, it's like this this lake near me that has a small footbridge, and there's hundreds of turtles. The vast majority of them are sliders people dumped in there, but there's also a lot of red belly cooters, painted turtles. There's common musk turtles. There's mud turtles in there too. And they're all, all the turtles in there are fairly abundant. And of course there's snappers. And uh, I, I'll sit out there at night and watch from the bridge and you can see like six or seven snappers come up and I've watched them fight each other. And uh, this one male, I call him Quasimodo because he's got horrible, <laughs> like he's got horrible kyphosis. Have you posted and, uh, that before? I feel like I've yeah, I posted about a year ago. Because okay. I couldn't find him this year. Like, I found other males. Like, I found a giant one in there that was – the carapace was over 17 inches. But uh, – and that one was old. But I, I kept trying to get a hold of him again. I'm like, I need to get more pictures of this. And maybe there was something I could do with it because he's it's, – it's bad. It's like his carapace is – Yeah, like you might be able to publish it. Carl published on a Kaifik Versa this last couple of her reviews. Not this last one, but I think one before this past year. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, maybe I could do something with this if yeah. I – and Catch uh, you, I, measure it, let us know. I'll help you. We'll help you, whatever you you know need or whatever. Yeah, what I always do is I uh, can find it. <laughs> do yeah, what? If I, if I get a hold of him again, what? what Sorry, Ken? Ken, I thought you were saying something. <laughs> oh, no, I, I just said, yeah, I'll be sure to measure it as long as I could find it and it's still here. <laughs> yeah, measure it. We'll see. And like I said, we'll have Carl compare against other what he has data on and stuff. And that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds good. I think he's carapacing. The carapace length, I measured him like, I had a rough measurement. He's a good sized male. His carapace is about 13 inches, but it should be another two inches longer because of how, it, it, that's roughly because his spine curves. And uh, just watching how, how he moves and interacts with his environment is interesting compared to the other snappers because he's far less aggressive. He doesn't seem to have the same striking range with his, uh, uh, his mouth. And uh, imagine like that. Yeah, when you he know? when he swims, his buoyancy is off center, so his back end sticks kind of out of the water, and huh. uh, like when he's at the surface, when he's on the bottom, you don't really see that. But uh, his yeah, his there's a huge lump on the top of his carapace. Like it's, I think it's the, it's probably the second, second or third vertebral scoop. Yeah, thought, yeah. and it's so warm, like that that lump on the top of his carapace is smooth. It's like looks like tortoiseshell because that part is always rubbing up against logs and everything. Right, and. Uh, He's one of the most easygoing snappers. Like he doesn't have a lot of aggression, and I, I think he's. I think it might, I don't think he can be as aggressive because I don't think his strike right. range and all the musculature must be screwed up from his deformity. Absolutely. But he managed to survive to adulthood, and I've watched him. Like I've watched. There's other males in there that are really aggressive and will attack any any other turtles that come near him. But uh, he doesn't care. Like he'll 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 fight back against the other big males, which is just wow. I like watching that uh, individual like interactions between the snappers. It's very animated. That's cool. Find it's crazy awesome. that it, it made it. I mean, there's lots of turtles seem to make it with that condition. It's not 
I mean, it certainly seems like it would be something that would hinder them to some extent, but in, in terms of the buoyancy issues, but it seems like they can deal with it sometimes. It's kind of interesting. I think um, it would make an impact. With one more quick thing, I think it makes an impact if it, rather if it's a male or a female, because the male doesn't have to worry about uh, developing eggs or anything. As long as he can deliver the sperm, they'll be fine. But uh, if a female is deformed to a certain point where it inhibits her ability to lay eggs, that could be that could be life threatening or that could be fatal. You know, Carl and I brought, talked about this just the other day about God, what was it? A female something still laying eggs. And I, I don't know if it was him or somebody else about like a female with one leg still managing to like dig a nest. Yeah, I've actually wondered that. Because um, we've sure. seen you've seen turtles missing both back legs, like mm -hmm. female turtles missing both back legs. Yeah. Because he has also published where he found a versa a female Texas mac going to lay, and a raccoon like he saw the raccoon grab it and do this, you know, like twist the leg off, like Jeez. right in front of him, like across the bank. And he, he has that picture of that female, like with her leg just because that's why you see when their legs are like, because that's how they go with her twist the shell like that. Um, but he's, I think we've seen, I think somebody was telling me they've seen him still lay eggs with one, you know, life finds a way type, type thing always. So that would be I interesting. Mean, the kyphosis, in terms of it, would make more sense, yeah, if males do a little better with it, but mm -hmm. also for some species like where there's a huge size dimorphism. Like I've seen pictures of map turtles, they're mating and they don't even really need to brace themselves on the back of the shell. They're kind of just hanging off the back. Yeah. So in a situation like that, maybe not, but yeah, I mean, that makes sense for them. Like tortoises, I could see that being a huge issue. You can't really mount successfully. So you're not going to spread that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess we, I, I've got one more question. I don't know if anyone else has questions. I got one more, but you go first. All right. Well, I, I was curious. So we talk a lot about freshwater turtles and tortoises, uh, but I was curious about some of the sea turtle work you guys do. And that that's something that's really interesting because it's so well-rounded. Or Yeah, I, I don't know. I've heard you guys are involved with that, but I don't know if there's if that's ongoing or what. what. I, we don't have any like real involvement with sea turtle anything. I've always been a freshwater tortoise person my whole mm -hmm. life. And it's not against, we're, I'm so far away. We're so far away from like, you know, seven, eight hours ish from water, uh, from like seaside, beachside, any of that. So it's very foreign to me and even to Carl. Sal, our secretary, he's gone and helped out with the Ridley stuff, the nesting patrol, the covering stuff down there with with Donna, the famous Donna Shaver and all the sea turtle South Padre stuff. So that's Sal. He's gotten to see, I'm, I've gotten to see all the ones that we had. There was some cold stun ones that came to North Texas that were being held at an aquarium here near us. And we got to go see those because we're friends with one of the, the, the head lead aquarist here, one of the, here in North Texas at, at one of the aquariums here. And so I, we got to see those, but I haven't, I haven't done any, we don't have any official Texas turtle leaf, sea turtle leaf things going on. It's, I still got to go and, you know, just watch them and see them in the wild myself. Carl's done it. He's been to seen them in Latin America. So he's definitely one you can talk sea turtle stuff with. But we'll have to ask. Never been, it's never been my thing. <laughs> I think just because I'm so far away from, from water. The best, the best thing that we just, I just recently hit, and even Carl is the Diamondback Terrapin stuff. Like we don't, you know, another the other university that we're friends with there you go um i got both yeah she 
yeah, the the dime, you know, going to see, helping her out, and the salt marsh and that habitat is just so foreign for me, y'all. Like, I'm definitely three-toed box turtle woods <laughs> type person. Like, I just that's who I was if I was a turtle. Um, but it was it was really really neat. I think Jack, I showed you the malocclusion for the megacephaly on those females. I mean, those oh, females yeah. are amazing. incredible. That blew me away as a top like moment of turtle miss in my life because i didn't expect it i see we see tons of diamondback terrapin pictures on social media and it's kind of like this trendy thing that we see all over the place but it's it's nothing like seeing them in real life with this megacephaly yeah. or that malocclusion that we published on um last year it was it's something else <laughs> so that's that's been the coolest one of the coolest things as far as anything brackish saltwater marine as close as i'm gonna get for marine stuff well, it does. It does seem like alligator snappers and common snappers are becoming very close to becoming sea turtles in the next thousands yeah. of years or so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's there's been ASTs found in on the beach in Brackish. Yeah, Water. yeah, I've heard. So they I can see them. Uh, they they're actually one of the most frequent places they're caught is at Alachicola Bay. Yeah, like uh, that, that. That's, in, that's that's in the Florida Panhandle. But I, I mean, I see numerous INAT photos of where they're catching them on. The people are fishing on on barrier islands and they catch alligator and turtles. And uh, big males are found out in the ocean or on the beach. Yeah. And uh, it's like, what in the world are they doing out there? And some of them appear healthy and they even have barnacles and stuff on them. So yes. Are they being on oysters or what? Are, are they are they being are they are they like pretending to be loggerhead sea turtles or something like? They identify as a loggerhead sea turtle. They got to change yeah. it every once in a while, like all of us. <laughs> I got to change gotta it. Got to go to the summer. Got to go to the summer beach for the yeah. summer. Get a change of pace. Who knows? And, uh, Anyways, that's an interesting. That's an interesting topic, though. One more yeah. thing with the terrapins is that head size that you see is not. That's almost exclusive to the literalis slash pileata. Like they they are the ones that get the gigantic heads like that. Oh, okay. And you never like the ones I find up by me. See, this is these are northerns. The shells I have, like the carapace, doesn't look too different. But these guys' heads are, are not remarkable really at all. Like up here, it's it's almost more. It's more like sliders. Like most of what you see, you really only see massive heads like that. On uh, you'll see some of the ornates have heads big like that too. But once you get past the panhand, like once you get past the uh, right. peninsula part of Florida, like the other, like the east coast, you never really see big, really big heads on ones there. That's fascinating. Like that's it was. It was definitely crazy for me. That definitely blew me away. <laughs> I would, I'd love to see one like that because I've got, we got a terrapin skull here. Plan a, y'all want to plan a summer or whenever we've done it. Oh my gosh. Now, see, this is the skull to this shell. And if you noticed, it's not that large. <laughs> the no. skull isn't that big at all. And uh, it's it's a pretty dense skull and it's got good plates for crushing. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I bet the most of what they, they hear, they're small periwinkle snails, which. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't develop large heads at all. And like you see, barbers, map turtles eat essentially the same thing, and their heads are huge. So it's really just—it's weird to tell the—it's it's just an, a weird phenomenon. But we saw tons did, of periwinkle snails when we were out walking through all that too. When Maybe. I read the—I read this this report published by the Texas—I don't know if it was the DNR or whatever—and it was like 200 pages, and they detailed like the the diets or what they like from examining the feces of female. Uh, terrapins, and they found a lot of snails, but they also found uh, two species of mussels, which I never see in the diet up here. So that, I think, is why their their heads are so big down there, is they're feeding on some kind of thicker, tougher-to-crush mollusk. Yeah. Pretty. 
Yeah, there's a lot to be learned about Texas Diamondbacks. At this point, it seems like they're all kind of, at least to the Florida uh, Florida Panhandle, they're consistent, like remarkably similar genetically. There's like no difference. So it's it's great. Like I think it was a hundred kilometers. There was essentially no difference in in kind of allele frequencies, which is kind of an interesting thing. You, you wouldn't expect to see like a, a almost identical match. But uh, it just shows that they have a lot of dispersal capabilities, which makes sense. Um, I so I think that we're at the point where we might want to jump into the little game we play um, and just get some trivia going here. Uh, so I don't know how we want to do this. Uh, if we want to, so Jason had to go early, um, but. We could so last time we've traditionally done this as like a spin the wheel thing, but I think that maybe the best way to do this is Viviana, you can ask us questions and then we can ask you, and we'll do five each, maybe if that works. Okay, I got um, three. I'll think okay. of maybe I'll think of something else. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll give like two minutes because we have to think some questions and then we'll we'll come back together. I'll put some some music back on here. <laughs> the Jeopardy music. Like yeah, we, we all should. We should write the questions in the chat. So, like, yeah, yeah, I agree. So we all have access oh. to them. Let's see. There we go. That worked. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jack, you uh, you don't have to ask him on here. Jack is just. Uh, we have like a podcast thing that we talk on. He so just for all of us to coordinate. Am I going to put my first question in the chat to y'all? Oh, no, no. You, if you just want to write them down, you can ask them. You can put them in the chat, too. But we were just going to talk to each other on here so we, like, know what all of us. Okay. I figure after, like, two minutes, we'll just come back together and, and we can ask them in person. Just so people can hear. Yeah, that's it. That yeah, was, you like that? That answer was in the. Uh, I know. Yeah, the, yeah. I know that was in the same report I was talking about. Yep. People will understand in a second. Ken, you got to come up with something good here. Okay, I got two, so we need two, three more, boys. We can pick the best ones. Everyone's intently focused right now. This is. (laughs) 
All right, I think we're right at about time. Okay. We want to just go with three. No, Jack, you got to come up with. You can come up with two. There's no need to be that complex. Jack's like trying to get some killer questions here. <laughs> no, it might not. I, I, I honestly don't really. Feel free to go hard on us too. We had two Australian guys last time, and uh, they didn't go easy, but we we did okay. So. Ken's got a good one. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I was going to say something along those lines, but <laughs> not at this point. Uh, He's on the spot. Look, Jack, you made Viviana left. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> left. I'm done with this. <laughs> You send something? Oh, there you go. Want me to call oh, me? that okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right, should I? You want to come up with one more quick? Just do an easy one. Something. Yeah. Somebody come up with something. I got it. All right, he's got it. All right, we got five. We were just a little bit slow this time. Viviana beat us to it by about four minutes. <laughs> I guess we'll each, we'll each ask the questions that we wrote, too. <laughs> Viviana's gone. Oh, she's back. All right. Okay, yeah, there you go. That's a good one. Okay. All right. So we're good. Uh, let me... Should I keep the music on in the background? Uh, I don't. I think it would be best if we just if that is interfering. Yeah. Okay, so we've got ours, but we will. Well, guests should decide. Do you want to get a question first, or do you want to ask a question first? I think your audio. I think you're out. muted right now. Yeah. yeah. I sure did. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's do a back and forth. I'll go, go and throw me one and I'll start. We'll just do back and forth, I guess. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, who wants to go? You want, well, I, you want me to go first? Cause I have my first ones. Yeah. Okay. So the first question that we have is, so this is kind of a, a weird one, but you'll see where this goes. So what species of turtle have sea turtles been reported to eat in the in the U.S.? As far as cannibalism? Uh, no, not not cannibalism. That this one, it it's kind of tough. But if you think about like habitat wise, like graptomies, Dimeback terrapins. Yeah, like, there you go. I'll give okay. it to you. Okay. Yeah. Ridley's and loggerheads. Uh, it was in the same report of the. Dude, the I, don't, I don't dabble much at all in <laughs> oh, sea turtles. This one like, report gave me like all of, <laughs> gave me like half my knowledge on terrapins. It's a dirty uh, question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no. So 
yeah. It's weird, but it makes sense. Like I, I was asking that question for a while. I was like, you know, I wonder if loggerhead sea turtles and like Ridley's like the Durafagus sea turtles. I'm like, because you know, macro kelly's regularly feed on other on musk turtles and cooters. I'm like, it would make sense for the sea turtles that live in the same habitat as the terrapins to to do that. And lo and behold, it's actually really common. Like in their yeah. in their uh, stomachs, like most anytime that they opened up the stomach of a loggerhead or a Ridley in, in the salt marsh, they found terrapin bones in the stomach. So that's, cool. that's pretty cool to me. That tells you how much I paid attention to sea turtles. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time for us. Okay. On that note, cousin taxa to diamondback terrapins. Easy. I know y'all know this. Wait, what was the question? The cousin, ta cousin Taxa to the Dimeback Terrapin. Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. All righty. Got it. Well, it's all in the same. I'm kinda, it's kind of going to all mesh together. Okay, y'all go. I, I got, I got This one's not. I'll go. I'll go. If it's, it's all not right, here you go. Okay, Jack's up. Which of the three American softshell turtles reaches the largest body size? Ferox. Yep. <laughs> by far they get massive <laughs> yeah I, I remember i saw one in, in, good in one. Gatorland. gatorland has one of the biggest ones it's like it's nice. like 26 inches and it was like 75 pounds like what's the record like 96 pounds and 96 pounds and almost not just shy of 30 inches that's like that's mm. the size of like a, a asian soft shell that's I was going to say, there's been some Chinese soft shells that popped up here, like in the Houston area that I've seen, like reported. Just Big people ones. like go into the market and releasing them. That's oh, that. man. I've heard of that too. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not for into that to introduce turtles no. <laughs> in <laughs> California. As far as uh, big. Okay. Yeah, big. All right. Oh, yeah. Didn't, didn't you guys find a Chinese soft shell? No, it wasn't us. It was some other, another Texas guy that doesn't oh i see yeah work yeah we i haven't found a chinese no but it was it was another another friend and you know local yeah, yeah. turtle nerd to houston um all right okay. time for you my turn yep yep from this mm, i'll say average number because there's like two um like blank and blank number of super marginals on asts like, oh, crap, I should know this. There's like, uh, you know, on average you see this, but it could be this on what we see the most. Blank that and is blank. A question. It's like blank two. It should be like blank two blank number of super marginals on ASTs. I, I know that the super I've got marginals an idea in my head, yeah. are like, like they're greatly reduced on the, the Apalachicola drainage. Like the ones that ones from there have greatly reduced super marginals, but I can't remember oh, the I'm, gonna, I'm thinking so, of like Western. Size. Western. Oh, yeah, the I'm trying to think. So just, I've got an idea in my no, head, but I'm not my upper limit. I'm not sure. This probably isn't right, but is it four or five? I say I see three to four. Yeah, I was oh, thinking okay. wasn't three to off. four. <laughs> You're right with four because the majority of them we see three, and then we have seen some with four so far. So yeah. Oh yeah, I think it's like two with the Apalachicolas. Like it's it's. Yeah, it's I was like I should also clarify because I was not thinking Apalachicola. Obviously. Yeah, my guy is here that I see. I was thinking three to five, so I was yeah. in that range, yeah. Yeah, you're probably exactly. All right. Uh, Our turn. Um, so this one's another one. This is a true or false question, I guess. 
so have bog turtles been found in California? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> They're release pets. <laughs> oh my god, that's like so far. Like, I don't even know that one. I have to be had to be a release pet or a release like something. Is that the one that was like a confiscation that someone went and busted somebody's house over, or is that oh, that was the Northeast? Unless it was like a confiscation or like a released bog turtle in California. But you did say bog turtle, right? Yeah, bog turtle. Ah, if it was a released <laughs> confiscation. So, yes? Yeah, there you go. There's like, there's one report I know of at the UC Davis Arboretum. They I'll were doing these, these surveys for pond turtles in the early 2000s. Actually, this was like the late 1990s, and they were trapping the water, and they pulled out 12 species and pulled out a bog turtle that someone had stolen from Zoo Atlanta in 1995, and somehow it made its way all the way over to UC Davis, and three years later, they pulled it out, and they could ID it based on the, the markings it had. So, wow. yep, <laughs> that question typically throws people off, so that, that was- I, I knew if it is, it's like one of them yeah. said, it was a dumped or confiscate. That's neat. Yeah, that was it's a weird piece of information. That's neat. All yeah, right, that's, here we go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Can y'all see me? I froze up a little bit. It's a little frozen, but we can hear you. There we go. There we go. Okay. You can use, I'll let y'all cheat or like look it up if you need clarification. Blank number or blank species slash taxa. Of North American box turtles. Oh, okay, so, okay. we can figure this one out. I was gonna say, so you got the just taxa. Do you mean yeah, does that pays. you mean like subspecies and everything? Like just all right. Like North America so only. You're not include. You mean all of them? Like all terrapin? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go with that because some people say right. like this is or isn't. So we got. There, okay, there's one of them that is no longer considered that's, a tax anymore. That's what I was. That's what I was saying. You can, you can or cannot. Okay, okay, okay. That's like better. let's throw it in there for giggles. All right, fine. Yeah. Okay. Um. Got my cheat sheet. It might be <laughs> off, but so with with uh. Oh, yes, yes. I'm counting. We can count this one. It's Just count easy. them out loud. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like yeah, I, was I, gonna, I was literally I was about to list off the species. There's. Uh, there's Terrapine Carolina, and then you have the so it's the three toed eastern Gulf Coast, uh, Florida, Florida, yeah, and then you have the Yucatan and Mexican box turtles. But aren't those now going to be considered Terrapine Mexicana subspecies? Oh, I don't remember that, yeah, yeah. But then, uh, you have the Terrapine, the ornate box turtle, with the also includes the desert box. That's and, the one that I was thinking, though, that's controversial, but that's yeah. controversial, yeah. yeah. Then you have Terrapine. Terrapine Nelsoni, which has the Nelsoni, Nelsoni, and Nelsoni clobberi. Perfect. And then you have Terrapine Quahulia. And uh, I got them all. Yeah, right. awesome, There's my. There you go. I looked over and I saw. Oh, that's so cool. That's Those are all the images from the book, right? Yeah. This was like. That Pearl book had some good. And I had it framed. So, yeah. So I was like, I looked over and I saw this sitting here. I'm like, I'm going to use this. <laughs> Yeah, all so right. people still count the desert box turtle. Okay, that's all I got. 
All right. It's time for we got two more here. Ken, you want to go? Yeah, sure. Ken's got a good one. Why don't you explain to our listeners what are the morphological differences between Texas alligator snapping turtles and those from like the Apalachicola or Swaniensis drainages? I don't have much of an idea other than like the caudal notches, head shape. Mm -hmm. There's a cranial difference and some of the plastron has like an extra scoot on the plastron of some of them for the swanny but yeah that's all i got let me think obviously that's fair that's That's all i got i mean hey that's 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 pretty much it (laughs) okay yeah that's why it's controversial zero swanny zero apalachicola but tons of i've not seen any taminka but i've seen both apalachicola and swanny exactly the Swannies are, are, I think the when it comes to coloration, the Swannies are the most distinctive. Like, they have, uh, they're they're like the most consistently like golden yellow. Like, it's it's a. Uh, it's called it's flavism. Crazy. Flavism. What? Flavism. Oh yeah, it, it's. it's well, ours nice. get the best. Ours get have flavism too, but I know what you mean by it. they just look all it's, yellow. Yeah. It's very consistent with the Swannies. It might have to do with just a smaller population. I mean, there's some westerns that are like full size males, and they're all they're all gray or all brown. And uh, then you get some of the Swannies where their their whole carapace is golden, and uh, their heads are completely golden. And, and I mean, smaller. you see that. Yeah, a lot of the times, but I honestly think that has to do more with the sample size because they yeah, get because there's there's I mean the the area of occupancy with the westerns is like twenty times bigger. Yeah. If there's uh, 1,100 turtles in that in in a section of that river, it's just we've got barely an idea. And we've only had we've only actually taken data from 200 of them, so that's it. So we yeah. still and we've already caught ones over 120 pounds. So there could be some in there. I mean, there was one. The one the one at Pritchard's was huge, but for a while that was the biggest Kelly's known. But all right, so Viviana, your turn for to quiz us here. Okay, I got uh, the last one I got is Handbook of Turtles by Blank. Oh, that's easy. Archie. Archie Garl. <laughs> I like that's that. All I got. Yeah. Fill in the blank. Yeah, Handbook that, of Turtles by Blank. That's, that's Archie Carr, though. That's, I mean, he he's the father, I think, of kind of turtle biology and gen- freshwater turtles, at least, and sea turtles. Kind of interesting. Right. right. Uh, I think we got one more. Okay, Jack's got one more. I don't know. It's kind of a stupid one to ask, but uh, okay. so wait, how many did we just? How many did you ask us? I had like four. I think it was four and four. I wasn't yeah. keeping track. Oh no, this would be five for us. So do we even need to ask it? Or that's fine. Just go for it. I was gonna say, how many diamondback terrapin subspecies are currently recognized? Seven? Seven or eight? I think it's, it's like six. Seven. Okay. I'm going no, to. No, no, I think seven should be right. Wait a second. You got <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I can't get my. Look. I There's terrapin. I think it's seven. Real, uh, mangrove. Terrapin, terrapin, literalis, piliata, rhizophorum, uh, tequesta, and I'm missing one. So, yeah, it's six. I'm missing the. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's six. You got the Carolina, Northern, Florida, East Coast, Mangrove, 
Okay, um, I'm going down the coast. So Terrapin, Centrada. It is seven. It's seven, however. Centrada, uh, Tequesta. You're right. It's seven. Region Ferrarum. Uh, what the hell? What's the... Um, yeah, seven. Piliata, Literalis. Macrospilota. Yeah, Macrospilota, Piliata. Yeah, it's seven. Again, yeah. a species that I've seen once. <laughs> No, I, I got I got my own question. That, was a, good, I, that was a good guess. I think I'm so yeah, used that, to counting. Uh, well, I, I had an idea. Like, yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't ghost, guess. You, you know how there's always knew. stuff split and merged over. I, mean, I was so well, used to. I always think of uh, Piliata and Literalis as the same thing because they are. They're genetically and morphologically identical. Yeah. So, and that's why I, I said was, seven, eight because I wasn't sure if I was. Yeah. But anyway, yes. Yeah, yeah, and at this point in time, it's it's. I think that's a valid question, but the whole idea of subspecies terrapin is being kind of revamped to management units because, like, it, a lot of the genetics, like they've looked at sort of population genetic level differences, and there's very little structuring at all between a lot of what is currently recognized. It's sort of just uh, local variations. They're not like taxonomic. Um, warranting taxonomic kind of adjustment, I think. So it's it's a good question, but maybe even like historically, I think on here we have to support the more recent kind of more thorough work that's looking at the genetic aspect of things and the morphological aspect mm -hmm. and, and looking at it more as different units to conserve versus subspecies. That's a Just pretty- like the box turtle theory. stuff. Like there's desert, there isn't a lot of people still consider desert, you know, a thing. And then is it Terrapene Carolina Trianguis or is it Terrapene Mexicana Trianguis? You yeah. know, like I said, I'm happy with three toe box shells being Mexicana because I love them. <laughs> I, yeah. I texted Carl because Carl's asking me if I'm done. And this is what he wrote back, which I don't know, but he, this is, you know, straight out of Carl brain. He says, how many publications are there regarding the biology of Southern painted turtles in Texas? What in the world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's Southern that painted turtles in Texas. Yeah. Which I think is zero. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> maybe nothing. That's because yeah, that's, we, that's a big one on on our watch list. Um, is like going out and seeing southern painted turtles because we've got some spots that we've been watching and going and photographing and stuff like that. So that's one that we really excited about. And then he said, "Why is Coni a subspecies?" Which he and I talk about that all the time. What organization was the first to? specifically promote conservation ecology and natural history of turtles from the Lone Star State. So that, oh, that that's a tough one that historically <laughs> I, I have no I in terms of conservation in Texas. What okay. conservation in general or what organization was the first specifically to promote conservation, ecology, and natural history of turtles from the Lone Star State? Oh, Texas turtles. <laughs> that's, a Carl, that's a Carl, frankly. That's and then he wrote, how much do Texas turtles t-shirts cost? Oh, gosh. Now we're getting... Well, <laughs> he's, he's, okay, he's, he's a little platform to promote, the, promote his mer merchandise. And then, which are on our website. And then his, this last one that Carl sent, which we've talked about. What is the record for a wild AST in Texas? There you go. There. Record size? Is that what you mean? Yeah. What is the record for the... 211 pounds. <laughs> I could remember that. Like that's a, I, that number is repeated in my head over and over again all the time. Yeah, that's what he was, he's referring to the one that was just caught last year. So anyways, that's all. I we can't wait for that, for that to be published. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, 
a good place to wrap it up. And I guess the I last thing is in terms of you got Jack, you said you had a question or uh no, that was about Terrapins a while back. We're good with oh, that. All right. Well, I mean, I guess the last thing is just future projects. You mentioned working with Coyote Peterson, but kind of in the immediate future, what are you guys sort of excited to do? And this year is gonna be more Snapper Palooza, more of the oh, AST yeah. work. Um, the Kegels map turtle, the Kegels Texas map turtle stuff down there. Maybe hopefully some Texas tortoises that we've been talking about coming down the pipeline um, with private landowner Alice and a lot of publications. I think I briefly mentioned the Southeast Southeastern Naturalist um, AST issue that's coming out this year. Check that out because we got some that's awesome true. publications in there. And that's been a lot of what we worked on this, the beginning part of this year is that, that those papers. I know a lot of people working on that, that Southeastern. It's from that, us, all the way, us all the way to Florida. Yeah, so I know I a lot of people that are working on that. And that there's, there, that's going to be big when it, when it comes out. Cause I've heard all kinds of very interesting things that like, uh, that no one that's never really been said with alligator snapping turtles and a lot of new data and research is being like compiled into that. So that's going to be like, it's supposed to be like one of the next big like breakthroughs, kind of like, like the 2014 papers from uh, Thomas and all that. So I'm excited yeah, for what happens. It's going to be interesting to see. Did a lot of that this past few months, weeks of um, us here in the library working all that stuff. So that's been a huge chunk of our time while it's cold. You know, and turtles are slow moving. So that's that's the kind of kickoff for 2022 for us. But, you know. Things change like that, and we might be gone tomorrow doing something else happening. So, but that's that's, that's awesome. kind of our stuff. We want to do more with southern painted turtles. We want to do more with soft, smooth soft shell turtles. There's so much, like we've talked about, the low hanging fruit of stuff going on here in Texas. And y'all want to come down for a summer? We have take a week and go do turtling. I can take all, we take it all over the place, awesome. see all kinds of stuff. Um, I mean, I think one of the the people that we've taken around the state, like 18 species. You know, like we can see a lot. Yes in a short amount of time. Uh, and we've got a pattern down of like how to travel the state and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, I might have time, like this summer, I might end up with a lot of time to do stuff. I'm not sure yet, but if there is, then that would be great to go down there. Cause I, I was technically in Texas back in October, but that's cause I flew out to, when I was flying back from California, I stopped at uh, Dallas, Fort Worth and just to come back. So that's the extent of my Texas experience. Yeah, I think I'm gonna take a week off end of May from work to uh, do a bunch more turtling. So I'm always, we're always ready to go. <laughs> we're always ready that's to roll on the room. That's so awesome. Anyway. It's it's awesome to, to get you on here, Viviana, and, and to talk about Texas turtles. I think it's the work that you got, you and you and Carl and everyone that's involved uh, with, with Texas turtles does is, is really, it's incredible how much you guys have accomplished, but also sort of the diversity of things that you look at. Uh, and you're not really, kind of bound by a lot of the issues that institutions face but you guys i think actually drive a lot of what institutions are asking and you guys are so connected with so many people that your impact is going to be far beyond what just a few people in 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 working at a school or whatever can do so it's it's just incredible and you guys can really focus on what matters so it's it's honestly it's, I think, an amazing way to do it. And, and it's amazing that you guys just had a vision for it and, and kind of took off. Um, so thanks for coming on. Uh, it's been Absolutely. awesome talking. Thank you. I'm really, it's been really crazy seeing, like I said, looking back at the pictures from when you were little first 
coming out here to like how everything is now, right? Like it's pretty, it's pretty crazy everything that we've we've all done in the last few years. And I know y'all are got so much time ahead of you. And I'm sure people tell you all the time, like you've got so much time ahead of y'all and so much that y'all are doing and gonna get accomplished. And it's y'all are very lucky kiddos to me. And I know you're not kiddos, but you know, from my view, uh, kind of like some of that kiddo stuff. But yeah, thank you. It's been cool. I love what y'all are doing, of course. Um, come to Texas anytime, you know, the library is always open. Um, it's been cool. It's been a trip. It's been a really, really, really good time. Really, really blown away by everything. Like you said, that we've done as a, as an organization kicking off in the past two years, really hitting the ground running and, and everything. Like I, I never thought, like I said, so many times as a little kid thinking, you know, you're the only one and that no one else is out there like you. And here we are finding people from both ends of the country and all over the world that you've talked to already that are interested in, in turtles like we are. So thanks guys. I took a picture for like the Instagram later. <laughs> so I'll tag all y'all on the little on the little thing. Jeez. <laughs> it was great. Actually it was great talking to you for after like knowing you online for a while. Yeah, call me anytime. I'm old, this so I like fun. talking on the phone still too. Yeah. It's easier. It's sometimes easier than text. It is. And it I, is. I won't tell Ken like it's it's hard for me to like. I'm always worried about how you come across over text because you know we've all had run-ins with people where you don't know if they're like. Yeah, plenty of times. Like, are they? No, and it's I, I do a lot of voice texts to people on Instagram, so they understand how I'm saying it. It's not. I'm not trying to be like. Well, let me tell you, young kid, <laughs> you know, like that feeling of, of you just don't know how people come across. So call me anytime. That kind of stuff is, it might be easier. All right. I'm going to stop recording, but we'll, we'll all be still on here, but thank you. And Thanks.